Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. My name is Kate Kennedy, your host. As you well know, I am a 33-year-old Chicago-based childless millennial, podcast host, author, pop culture commentator. I do a few other things. I don't really know. It's not important. Uh, it's not important as I do a four-hour series about how obsessed I am with my career and therefore children will be in my way. Uh, anyway, I just I have to start by saying um, I genuinely cannot thank you guys enough for being so kind and receptive and um, for sharing with me so much of uh, so many of your thoughts and feelings and fears for being receptive to what I perceived to be an unpopular conversation to what I genuinely thought wouldn't be a good look for me uh, because it historically hasn't felt like one. It, I've never been like proud or enjoyed appearing so like unmaternal and unaware of all things relating to childbearing. I, you know, like I said, try to shake toddlers hands or I'll be in a room with a three-year-old. There'll be an awkward silence. I'll ask them about the weather. I'll Google how to scramble eggs. I I I I don't I, like I don't bring a lot of like nurturing maternal natural skills to the table, but I bring a hell of a charcuterie board. And as I say that, it's kind of like a kind of poetic in a sense of like there's an ecosystem of of people that make things from scratch that are are naturals um that t- give you directions and tell you to do things like eyeball it, like LOL could never Tried to make a pasta dish with my sister recently. Called for half a teaspoon of red pepper flakes. Poured a half cup. Little different. You know, it's like baking takes great precision. Cooking is more experimental and you can eyeball. Uh, People that store buy things like me assemble beautiful charcuterie boards that serve their purpose. Because the ecosystem needs both people that make things from scratch and people that buy those things and assemble them and use them for different purposes. So I don't know, you guys. I, what am I talking about? I guess it's just like metaphorically. It's like, if you know, I won't sell myself short. I think I'm resourceful. I think that's why I've been able to do what I've done because I haven't known how to do anything I've ever done. But I figured it out, piecing it together, assembling it like the charcuterie board. And uh, have I made all of those things from scratch? No. But could I make something out of their assembly? Yeah. And I think some people are, things come naturally to them. They can do it with their eyes closed. Uh, and some of us might have to do the best we can with what we've got and bring it <laughs> hope it comes together over time can i can piece it together in my own way and own time and uh i think hearing so, from so many of you like first of all your the advice that i read from dms i didn't even like tell you guys i was reading that i masked the best i could um it was so sincere and like I counted, there was over a thousand responses to those stories. I, I, I looked at the data and I read as many as I possibly could until they got buried. And I'm going to read more to you today, but I just need you to know, like for those, for you guys to like, yeah, t- like type those novels to spend the time trying to kind of both console and inform me in a realistic way that is so refreshing relative to the hyperbolic standard that's highly gendered and uh, terrifying that is, exists within a lot of media and, and within a lot of advice from personal reference groups, just because people tend to like, like we, we talked about last time, like, you'll never sleep again, you know, travel while you can. It's like, oh, God, you know, even like looking up, um, like looking through some of your mom pet peeves that we're going to go through today. I'm like, what are they talking about? And then I look online and then I get in a rabbit hole of like baby shower gifts and like things people put on onesies that like suggest dad's helpless and mom is like, I don't know, like Nick Lachey, what's left of me? Like, what is left of mom? I just, 
<laughs> it drives me crazy. And like in this episode, I wanted to take like at you know the second half. I'm going to go through more advice. Uh, this first part, we'll talk through a few different things. And I also want to read through some like the funnier stuff that you guys submitted as like your pet peeves with hashtag mom life. Uh, just to kind of like there, there's so much anxiety to be had in this space, right? But the thing to remember is like it's inherently inconclusive. And that's what drove me crazy, truly drove me crazy uh, for the longest time was not being able to say out loud, time is all I need to be able to make this decision. And time is the only thing that has the ability to rob me of this choice is the way it feels. And it's, it's just, it's a dead end. Like there's, there's nothing that can be done about that statement. And when you're talking to people who want the best for you, who, who want to help, uh, venting about something that you can't do anything about, not only is it frustrating when they can't fix it for you, it also reads as complaining or harping. And well, the last thing I want to do is ruminate over something that is um, not solvable. I also think I wasn't letting it. I, I, I think I was frustrated by the fact of this intersection of my career's height and my fertility's uh, decline. But I was also upset that I couldn't be upset about it. That I just was like, oh, this is what it is. I was upset I couldn't really tell people about it because I was worried that if they had a complication with a pregnancy or couldn't get pregnant or wanted to be and, and haven't met a partner yet or whatever. Like there's so many reasons these conversations are triggering. And like there was so much freedom for me in just being able to say like, this sucks. I'm deeply frustrated by this. This keeps me up at night. I'm worried I'm going to make the wrong decision. I'm worried I'm going to regret whatever it is I'm doing now. And I genuinely don't think this will be as fun for me as other people. Um, and it was almost liberating to not have anybody be able to talk back to me. And I hope in the being on the receiving end of this, you were kind of, I hope you were able to release in some way too, at least feel validated. And I want you to know that like, I, I have heard from countless people, we're all in the same boat. And it's like crazy to me. I feel like we all didn't know each other existed in a sense, because it's a little too scary to just bring up like, God, this looks awful. What do you think? <laughs> I've never, you know. Um, but I think too, it's okay to find levity in comedy and like the fact that like a lot of it probably is awful. Uh and the denial of that is worse to me. You know what I mean? The toxic positivity is worse for me. And I think the other thing I realized too that I totally get is like, I think that the well. On the one hand, like I was so em empowered and amazed and uh, proud and excited to hear from so many women who like confidently made a choice either way, especially uh, the you know child free by choice people I talked to. And I want to read some of their commentary, too, because um, if I can yeah, help stand up for anybody in that sector who is just like tortured at family functions, I certainly want to because I just think it's so important we respect each other's choices. And it just has no bearing on your life. And you're like the, the, to pass judgment and make somebody feel bad. is such a deliberate attempt to hurt them that I just think you really need to think through uh, like when you're projecting. But um, the other piece, too, that I heard a lot was like. These conversations are difficult to have with your partner if you're on the fence, because it can be easily misconstrued, misunderstood, taken personally, because it's kind of an hard, a hard argument to form. Like I said, it's 
quite inconclusive. Any solutions-oriented partner or loved one is going to struggle with how to help you through this conversation. And it can feel a little bit like a stalemate. And um, I don't know, I was talking to somebody somebody the other day and like, it's, it's, it's hard to explain to guys. I think like, I do believe there's somewhat of a cap on empathy when you realistically couldn't find yourself in a situation because you just don't know any different and it's hard to manufacture uh, that feeling. And I think many partners are very understanding and non-pressuring and wonderful. But at the end of the day, I'm like, Greg, you could like if something happens to me, like I hope it doesn't like I will haunt you. You could have a second and third life. You can have kids for the next 20 to 30 years. Like you, like th- there is there's no zero pressure for you to figure this out now. If you want me to be the parent, like, yeah, you got to. But just I, from a biological fundamental standpoint, I do think it's different when you have a time limit and somebody else doesn't and they might not understand the depth of, of like the intensity of how much pressure that is on somebody and how upsetting it is when you feel like you're the one handing over your life and hitting pause. And um, of course, good partners, dads are involved and can be great and it affects their life and sleep schedule and everything too, but it's just not the same way. It's not a matrescence. It's not a physical, chemical, emotional transformation. Um, and beyond that, I'm, I'm just like at laughing. I'm like, literally you have 30 years and I have three to five. It's just different. And like whether you can uh, tap into that subconscious state of just fundamentally having like time on your side or not, uh, it's there. It's a it's a fallback. It's kind of a subliminal fallback. I liken it to a kid uh, with a trust fund starting a business and a kid starting a business who has debt, who has nothing to fall back on. The businesses might look the same. They might figure out the same way to like be successful. You might not know the difference on paper, but the mindset and grit and drive and like mental state of a person that has everything to lose is so different from somebody with a safety net. But these aren't things that are top of mind all day, every day. If you've always had deep pockets, you would never know what it's like not to. So even though you think you work really hard, you just can't really put yourself in the position of somebody who is putting so much at stake. And uh, no offense to trust funds, but you know what I mean? It's like something built in that you probably take for granted or kind of falls to the subconscious because you're just so used to having it. And in this case, time is the currency. And I think it's important to think of it as like, I have a, I have a lot at stake here. And even though you're my partner and even though you are 50% of this and like, I, I don't mean to make it seem like all about me. Um, I do think we're coming from slightly different dispositions. You know what I mean? Anyway, that metaphor kind of went off the rails. Anyway, I, uh, so this week, well, next week I'll be talking about the vow, the not the uh, Rachel McAdams, Channing Tatum, fine film from 2011. Uh, rather, the vow about the Nexium cult on HBO Max. I was delighted and charmed yesterday when half of my audience thought I was indeed doing a deep dive on a decade-old mediocre rom-com and didn't say a peep. And that that for me is like why you are my people. I am so blessed to have you. The fact that you would suffer through. <laughs> I mean, first of all, if I'm going to make Adams, it's probably, you know, if I'm going to make Adams in the context of a Sparks, I'm probably going to go notebook. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's funny to me that you would. <laughs> I don't know why I think it's funny. It's kind of like 
guys have to, I know we have a lot going on in this world right now, but I have to drop everything and go over a 2003 film with Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson. I have to deep dive. And you're like, oh, how to lose a guy in 10 days. And I'm like, no, fool's gold. <laughs> like, why would I do that? But you're so accepting. And that's why I love you. Uh, but yeah, we'll talk about cults next week. I kind of want to rope in like spiritual gurus and how I think a lot of uh, like uh, spiritual gurus, self-help, professional development, MLMs, they all use similar tactics to manipulate people and convince you that you're broken when you are, in fact, living the human experience. And these people do not have the answers. But alas, nor do I. That's why I always want to like clarify. I, I know this isn't I, I can't help in any meaningful uh, way other than just doing, you know, hopefully allow you to vent and hopefully allow you to feel less alone. And I know I got to this kind of like at the end of last week's episode, but I really do think that a lot of this is so is probably similar to getting married and how a lot of married people seem miserable. A lot of married people are like, oh, the old ball and Jane, you know, a lot of people are or even just like I find one of the confusing things people say to you about childbearing is like, uh, you know, you're never ready or when you're ready, you'll know. I'm like, those are opposing ideals. <laughs> but also it's kind of similar to like when you know, you know, I, I, I like don't I don't necessarily agree. I. Uh, Maybe I'll save this for my marriage Patreon I'm working on because it's like I, I haven't been married long enough to know, like to give anybody advice. I do think people overcomplicate it a little bit just in terms of like compatibility wise, uh, what what doesn't doesn't ultimately matter. And um, I also think like. I, I believe in like soulmates in a spiritual sense, like I think it's really magical and beautiful if you feel like you've known somebody in another life or whatever. Like I've definitely had those feelings. Uh, like when I met Greg, I like thought I, I scoured the internet because I knew I knew him, but I never did. And we never had any mutual friends. But I do think like dating is just, it's, it's such an interesting numbers game of like where you live and where you go and how open you are and what the timing is. And like so many things need to align for two people to like match up at the right time, have the right values, the right levels of compatibility. Um, to make something work and i do i think the meeting somebody and dating somebody piece is like super complicated uh and i found dating so much more stressful because i was like oh my god am i texting too much am i around too much am i sleeping at his place too much just because i'm that type of person that always thinks i'm imposing on everyone ever and uh you know then of course my friends that were in like toxic relationships we'd go out for wine and they'd be like Oh my God, he doesn't sleep at your place. Deal breaker. And I was like, well, I don't want him to because my apartment's not that nice and he has his own private bathroom. And also, like, put a sock in it. They, they all broke up two weeks later and I'm with Greg 10 years later. Like, people give the worst advice, worst advice always. And it's funny because I forget that I'm always telling people, like, to be really cautious about the relationship and business advice they take from people they know because I genuinely think if somebody isn't doing the thing you want to be doing that you're seeking advice to get closer toward it doesn't really make sense to be taking the advice sounding boards are great people with shared values helping guide you is great like i'm not saying it's worthless i'm but i do think when things are like life altering like make or break up or um have a kid or don't you can't let these ideals from people that aren't in your situation live rent free in your mind you really can't to wrap up my rambly intro um yeah, last week's episode is honestly um, such a release for me, and I'm so appreciative of your understanding. And um, as inconclusive as that release is, uh, sometimes that's what I need. I think that like the thing people forget about venting is the point is to air and to circulate. And 
to be able to, you know, air your fears and hesitations without the pressure for peace and resolve is important. And I don't always think it's the best idea to do it to your partner or to friends that have specific agendas who might take it as commentary on their life choices. And to be able to do it on this mic is such a privilege. And I appreciate you for the open ears. And, you know, like we've talked about, if and when you move forward with trying to have kids, it's just it's deeply personal. It's incredibly nuanced. It looks different for everyone. And while I believe in prioritizing the sensitivity of the subject, I feel very confident now in believing that women at any stage of this process deserve to be heard. And I see the implications in what you've written me of of not feeling like you have the right to be. But like sometimes I look back, especially on COVID and stuff in this past year, and I think a lot about expectations. And, you know, some people have been like, honestly, you'll probably be fine because your expectations are so low, (laughs) which also kind of made me laugh because uh, it's like a little bleak, but it's, you know not a bad thought that like if people go into it expecting like amber filler up terracotta hues angelic hair extension bliss like yeah it's probably not going to be like that but if i'm expecting to be the mom on tiktok whose child is blood curdlingly screaming to the point where like i had to take a nap after watching that 60 second video uh for you know because the kid you know something groundbreaking happened like dropped a cheerio on the floor and the mom instead of pandering to the child just films herself going to pour a full cup of vodka midday um you know, hopefully it won't be that bad either. Uh, there's got to be a happy middle <laughs> or at least a tolerable middle. Right. And I look back on like this past year and stuff. It's been like such a nightmare in like uh, so many ways. It's like I kind of am almost glad I didn't know what the year would bring. Like, I think I'm actually a person that. Like almost doesn't want my expectations managed. Uh, I don't really always see the point of that, like self-preservation or. I don't know, like I used to, uh, there was this book I read in college called The Artist's Way, and he used to put up on my aim away message, a quote that I read in it that said, expect nothing, live frugally on surprise. And easier said than done when your life is simple and you're like a student and you're just like living off of your beer cart money and going to dining halls. But it's almost like if all goes well, at least I'll experience the highest of highs. And if I get let down, I don't know. At least I'll feel bad enough for myself to order Wendy's delivery and take another lap through seasons one through six of Gilmore Girls. I don't know. Either way, expectations aside, like, even though I've expressed my my dread that I'm trying to work through, I do believe there's something to letting the inevitable present itself without feeling burdened by a lack of, I don't know, like, manufactured clairvoyance. Like, what's the point? Like, being like, I knew this would happen, or I told you so. Like, there's just, I think we do a lot of things in preparation of managing our own emotions that like aren't good uses of our time. And I think that I've really spent the past several years like so distraught over this. And like, I'm really thinking about that too, in terms of how much time I've wasted, hugely, hugely anxious and not sleeping. And concerned about my future and like where I needed to be before I even thought about having kids and like mapping out every scenario in my head so I could figure out a way to like uh meet or exceed what Greg makes so we're prioritizing my work and the decision making or I'm at least making more than childcare in a meaningful way so we're you know I can still net positive and justify paying so like I, I like go through all these scenarios and it's just so insane that like I'm it's like the one thing in life I'm I am unwilling to like let be and while i think that careful decision and analysis is so so important and welcome in this scenario that's such a permanent decision i also think that since i can't do anything about a lot of this the only way to 
feel any sort of peace is to almost accept that by venting all the ways I'm deeply frustrated and concerned, but taking a deep breath and being like, okay, yep, this is out there. I'm not alone. I will figure this out. I will do it my way. Desperately as I want baby fever. I just don't know if it'll come. I feel like I have like baby scarlet fever. It looks like a little dysentery organ traily vibes. I don't know what it's like. I have baby fever dreams. Like I have panicky dreams. Does anybody else have that? Anyways, two steps forward, one step back. Uh, anyway, guys. Oh, you know what happened over the weekend? This is not super relevant to the, actually it kind of is because yeah, you know, I talked about that color daddy situation ad nauseum. Um, and Sophia Franklin's podcast finally came out. The person who kind of was the uh, ultimate perceived to be the thing that broke up the band um, because she was siding with her boyfriend, allegedly, uh, who wanted to make a business deal at Wondery with, you know, to do another podcast. He's like kind of a sharky business dude that used to work at HBO has since lost his job, I believe. And the way Alex portrayed it was like this guy came in between us. She followed the coercion and advice of a man about a business deal instead of following the better financial decision for herself. And um, if I'm honest, I just like love an empowering moment. I was here for her. I wanted Sophie to like make an effing entrance and like tell her side of the story, explain why the business deal was misrepresented, why she did the right thing for her, start out strong as a solo host, like do the damn thing. And I think Alex did a good job of that with her first solo episode of just being vulnerable and human and not like, you know, being kind of a caricature of herself. But I just feel like it was more of the kind of like immature call her daddy shtick, which is fine if that's the content you want to go for. Um, but I think the first 15 minutes or so were like pretty rehearsed, like literally scripted, I think. Um, but I think that's par for the course because she said I had heard like in the biz that that call her daddy was scripted and that's why they didn't do live shows. And she Sophia said that in the podcast, which is wild because I, I feel like Alex is charismatic. It's like even if she scripts her jokes at the very least. um, I would think she would be okay off the cuff. Like what a lost opportunity to do live shows. <laughs> like that's so, that would have been so cool. But um, anyway, I think for me, it was just like, there was, um, it was clear she was still too, I have a point to this. It was clear she was still too mad to be introspective, right? Like I do think there's like a, a progression of loss, like with anything else, of not necessarily of grieving, but like, I think she really did get smeared and screwed over. And even if she made a bad decision, I don't, it's hard to say, like, is the aftermath proportionate, you know? And you can tell she's just like livid and hates Alex's guts. And she spent so much time on Alex instead of spending time telling her side of the story, defending herself, telling an empowering female story. And she said like, you know, some sound bites, like if you let a man, you know what I mean? But there was like an element of, um, I don't know. I just, I really wanted it to be, I really wanted it to work. Uh, and maybe it will. I just think that I was surprised that this was like the choice of how she positioned it. Just even with like, I would assume you get professional advice. I don't know. There's an element like for somebody to be empowering for me, it needs a sincerity and it needs a humility. It like, I think what's empowering is like being able to take accountability, um, being able to be sincere about like your intentions and, and your story and why you're better off because of it. And like, it just, it fell a little flat for me. And I just wish there was like a little more accountability taken because there's two, obviously we know there's two sides to every story and maybe she really did get screwed over, screw, screwed over, but clearly she had a role in the demise of the friendship. And it just was a little off putting to me that it wasn't um, 
like her trailblazing. It was just kind of like guns blazing. You know what I mean? Anyway, the whole reason I bring that up is because I actually like the second half, the part that wasn't scripted. It was it was more stream of consciousness. She talked more about more personal stuff and she talked about like growing up in Utah. And it was, I thought it was really interesting because I was laughing because we put out episodes at the same time that had like a, a set. She had a segment that was talking about the same thing I was. And she was talking about being from Salt Lake City and how people were always asking when you're getting married and having kids. And she thinks about getting married and if she ever wants to and when. And, you know, that when she's really depressed, her instinct is like, well, should I just have babies? And I'm like, well, I don't. If I'm not doing well, I'll never take a vow of celibacy before <laughs> risking having a child. But that's interesting to hear how different women like respond to situations because that's just so far from my instinct. And then she goes on to talk about, you know, like, I'm not going to sit here on this mic and tell you when you should have a baby. And I thought this soundbite was interesting in the interest of me collecting different people's opinions. I since I've talked about her on the podcast a lot. I wanted to give you her input on motherhood because honestly, this, these 15 seconds could could have saved you two and a half hours of, of me rambling on last week. <laughs> so this is Sophia's uh, motherhood advice. This microphone and tell you when it's the right time to have a baby. Everybody is different. But all I can say is the right time is when the guy you're going to have the baby with is rich as fuck. It is always the right time if you are dating a millionaire. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't know. She's not Mormon, but she's from Salt Lake City. Uh, and as we talked about more money, more money, less problems. Maybe she has connections. Uh, it's worth considering. I think often about how much finances have to do with this. And sometimes I think if I were at my corporate job uh, and had a maternity leave fully paid and all those things, like would I have kids by now? I'm like, yeah, probably, honestly. A big piece of it is like child exits womb. I'm still on the hook for every single dollar I make. And it is, you know, directly tied to my own effort. And if I'm not making as much or more than child care costs, yours truly is the child care. And I care too much about this career to have to give it up for financial reasons. So I hustle in order to be able to justify that ahead of time. So it's not a conversation I have to get into where I'm forced to choose or to, you know, put my family in the hole. Um, but I kind of wonder, you know, it, it is hard sometimes with social media and stuff to like, to gauge how much help people have. And like, that's a big part of what I think is unfair about comparing ourselves, because I think a lot of the breeziest seeming people are not showing their nannies around and on it, they probably shouldn't for privacy's sake, but like, they're I think that when family's around, when nannies are around, when you can afford childcare, more power to you. If you can, that's great. I won't shame anybody for whatever way they um, want to live that's best for them. But it, 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 there, I feel like it, there's a level of responsibility akin to that of using a filter, right? Of, um, you know, if you're going to share in this way and represent your life uh, and, you know, responsibly to your audience in ways you know that they're going to compare themselves to you. Just as you should use tact and consideration with the content you share, I think that the things that enable your lifestyle, not every day, all day, but at times are important to caveat. And a lot of people do do this well, but it's important to remember that like a lot of the people who might be telling you to throw caution to the wind and just do it and you're never ready, like we're totally ready because they had a night nurse on call. You know, it's like Sophia's advice, take it or leave it.
I didn't mean for this segue to happen, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's like, who is this, Alex Cooper? I understand we're interchangeable. But my podcast is now also sponsored by Honey, an incredible company that I've used for years. And it now that we're only doing online shopping, I mean, where else can we go? Honey is your online shopping best friend that is a free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and automatically applies the best one available at checkout. I am the type of person that will spend 30 to 90 minutes looking for a promo code that will save me a nominal amount of money just because I love a deal. I get a high. What can I say? Honey does this for you. You get Honey on your computer for free in two easy clicks. You go to joinhoney.com slash be there in five. Then when you're checking out on one of its over 30,000 supported sites, Honey pops up. All you have to do is click apply coupons. You wait a few seconds and Honey will apply the best one to your cart. If you've never used this before, it's genuinely thrilling. But like, I don't think I'm alone in that literally anytime I'm checking out, if I see a bar for promo code, I'm like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> I won't let it rest, especially with like free shipping, you know. Uh, but anyway, you guys, Honey has found over 17 million members that it has over $2 billion in savings. Uh, it supports all kinds of retailers, tech, gaming sites, fashion brands, food delivery, you name it. So if you have a computer, you should have Honey on it. At least give it a try. It's free and it works with any browser. And you can get Honey for free today at joinhoney.com slash be there in five. That's joinhoney.com slash be there in five. Anyway, you guys, what were we talking about before? Oh, was it Sophia? Honestly, if they don't, I hope they reconcile. And I hope that someday if they have kids, they'll have a, it's such a missed opportunity to not have a podcast called Call Her Mommy. I mean, like, <laughs> the wordplay opportunities are endless. And as I say that, I have absolutely none at the top of my head, but it like seems like it'd be pretty easy, if not a little gross to combine themes. But I don't know. Uh, I feel like moms can still gluck despite being stuck. I feel like there's a way people, you, you know, you pump or dump somebody in a relationship or you can do so as a parent. And that's a great segment idea. I don't know. I literally need to stop talking. Side note, I think breast pumps are crazy. I think it's insanity that workplaces if you don't have a hospitable environment for people to pump in peace, you're a monster. Um, I think it's like, I, I just, I have so many thoughts about like so somebody milking me, but it's not important right now. Let's move on. I can't, if I get hung up on my, like, literally, I, I, if I tell you the deepest, darkest depths of my, like, uh, biological confusion and conceptual concerns, you will be like, you're a childish millennial. Like you should not have you like, I, I'm, I'm like so behind on how I understand things because I actively avoid the things that like I'm not ready to deal with. But, like one time this blogger pulled over on the side of the road and her like ducks were clogged and she talked, told the story about how her husband had to like, you have to like suck them out. And I know Jay Cutler did that for Kristen Cavallari too. And like, I just don't know, like I've only been with Greg for what, 10 years and I don't know if we're there yet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's just like it's it's a different type of intimacy, right? That I'm just like it's so hard to conceptualize. But if you're in the moment, like I get it. Um, okay, so now I'll just go. Th I'm I'm gonna go through what people said their like mom pet peeves are, and um, from DMs and emails and the, the awesome things you guys sent in to tell me about your experience. And like people loved this advice because it's coming from normal women, like level-headed normal women that aren't providing input in the name of entertainment and therefore very exaggerated by default but when that's all you see is the exaggerated content in your head it's the norm and then you think that's an adequate cross-section for what parenting is like when you're forgetting it's entertainment inherently because anything that's cutting th through the clutter and you're seeing is probably made for entertainment value and like i think i have trouble separating those things and when people heard your sane sage normal like somewhere in the middle of the road feel two ways about things advice like yes and no you're right and wrong you'll be fine but it's awful like this is what people need it's it's like it doesn't need to be like conclusive or like 
have a specific perspective in a sense. It just like is helpful to know I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. But first, let's rip on mommy wine culture. <laughs> so like there's a range. So I ask people like, what are your hashtag mom life pet peeves? Tell me what helps you. Tell me what spooks you. Oh, I'm a sorority gal, pro con pro. Like I want to know both. I don't want to rag on people's content. I don't want people that find it relatable and funny to think that I'm, um, you know, kind of unfairly picking it apart because I'm out of there. I'm out of the target audience. My input doesn't matter. But keep in mind that a lot of people that wrote in about these things are actually moms themselves. So it's not just people judging it out of context, but mothers who like have deemed for themselves in their in their talk about oh my god in their own situations um what's helpful and, and and what they don't love there's a couple recurring themes and i just have to say like my the, <laughs> yesterday you know, to quote our friend heather mcmahon my absolutely not in all of this is like anything to do with baby bowel movements like i i do not care i i do not want it on the rug i do not want it on the tub i do not want it here or there i do not want it anywhere if your baby had like a blowout bathroom accident like I literally none of my business grosses me out need to unfollow don't understand why you'd post it very embarrassing because this kid will become a human living adult person at some point like I just it's disgusting and I do not get it and that that is like my one thing that I just like hold strong um it's just I'm sure it's different when it's your own kid but like why am I optically stepping in shit like I just don't it just don't need it for my Tuesday is that I posted to you know, let people know where I stood on this pressing issue. Somebody said, like, the, what spooks me are pictures of baby blowouts, meaning, like, you know, of their diaper. The best part was that I immediately received 15 DMs <laughs> of the to toddlers in Tierra's patrol uh, that was like, oh, my God, who takes their baby to get a blowout at the dry bar? <laughs> and like you know i get it it's intuitive i said blowout does my mind go to pampers no it goes to being pampered at the dry bar and sitting in a chair inexplicably being spoken to over the you know very loud white noise of a hairdryer and being like why are we talking i can't hear you or see you but it's fine because you're drinking prosecco out of a can and watching like what women want with mel gibson and thinking to yourself are we still supporting mel gibson and if a mel gibson is by a helen hunt can we still support a helen hunt in his presence because Twister is a national treasure. It, Night of the Twisters with Devin Sawa wishes it was. I don't know, you guys. I don't have all the answers. But like Helen Hunt, I am mad about you. And by you, I mean the people that post pictures of baby blots. Wow, that was a segue. Um, <laughs> you know what would be better is a person that uh, offers up a segue and then doesn't pat themselves on the back verbally. So we're going to, I mean, hands down, the... Beyond like people bothering you and being condescending about when you're going to have kids or if, when you're having another kid. Um, f the, by far, the thing people get most annoyed with is like mommy wine culture. And it's like, you know, the everything happens for a Riesling. You have me at Merlot persuasion. But instead of like a normal wine pun, like I had a, I, my map business had wine puns. Like I'm not a, I, I love some light wordplay. Um, it's 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 different though. Mommy wine culture is like I am so slammed. It is so chaotic. I am raising tiny humans. I need to get a like a cartoonishly large glass comparable to that of an apothecary jar. 
fill it with wine and take it to the face and make 5,000 jokes about it to offset the heavy drinking with how difficult motherhood is. And to be clear, I love wine. To be clear, my, do I drink a lot of wine when my dog's bothering me? You betcha. My husband and I, we're big wine drinkers. Like we're, I, I, I actually like, I don't know, and I won't get into it now, but like, I think that it's one of those things where I don't judge the drinking and I'm sure I would definitely partake quite a bit, uh, being exhausted after a long day and trying to wrangle everybody, um, especially in the absence of any help or anything. Um, but I do think that it's it's like, I guess from my angle, it's like, I don't really know how much these people are drinking. I'm concerned with the mentality behind these phrases and like why it's there's so much discussion of how much moms have to drink to survive. And the messaging to somebody like me is, I am exhausted. I am at or over capacity. I am so, like, I'm having such a hard time. I need to, like, numb myself at the end of the day. Like, I know what that feels like in other contexts. But, like, in this one specifically, the children being, like, the source of, like, mommy needs a drink mommy's juice or whatever it's just kind of interesting and like uh i think i told a story last time of like one of the <laughs> things that uh in addition to the pranks with the, with the gender roles that bothered me so much the last episode was this video at the top of one of the mom hashtags on tiktok that it was just like a, a chill a child screaming bloody effing murder like blood curdling like my i'm i'm an, you know hsp highly sensitive person this that sort of stimuli like it's i like really bothers me like i'm okay with like a normal scream like i'm around kids a decent amount uh to like uh, like i really am usually fine but this was like i mean you would think something was gravely wrong like to to the rafters screech and the kid like dropped a Cheerio or something. And the mom just like walks over to the counter and like pours a cup of vodka. It's like midday. And I was like, this is both so dark and I get it, <laughs> you know? And I think that was kind of my problem with like, I understand like this would, this would drive me to my absolute effing limits. So I don't blame you. But I think it's like one thing to, I don't know, have your bad days uh, here and there. And it's another thing to like, when you know it's glorified through conspicuous consumption of you know cutesy cups and you know heat press vinyl items that just have so many phrases about like how mommy needs to drink to survive um it's kind of just to me perceived as like fuel and i am i again drink a lot of wine i'm here for relaxation i am here for being able to decompress but i it, it's not it's like not a mom having wine. It's not a mom showing that she's just drinking wine or talking about wine. It's the commercialization and commoditization of, of mom juice, mommy juice, raising tiny humans, need some wine. Oh, I need some wine with that wine. Uh, you know what I mean? It's kind of like I, I totally get the relentless um, the, the, re the relentless work that has gone into that mentality. But I think the output of it paints a pretty dark message that blurs the lines between, like, you know, what, what's self-care and, you know, we, we take lightly and what's, like, harmful to your health, right? And I think with, with anything substance-wise, decompressing, there's a difference between that and, like, numbing and self-medicating. 
there, there, but this sort of like marketing of mommy juice almost kind of normalizes it. And um, I just think it's uh, it's an interesting trope that has really th- kind of seemed to thrive in the past decade. To me, I'm like, oh, so when you can't become a mom, you can't keep your head above water. You come up for air only to take sips of wine before you go back down and inevitably like drown in your responsibility that nobody helps with. Like, that's what I think about. Um, and like, just for example, when you go on Amazon, uh, let's see, we have mom juice, mama's turn to wine. Mama needs some other effing wine. How mom tells time. There's coffee mugs, AM, wine, PM. My favorite child gave me this glass of wine. Because mommy, because mommin ain't easy. Oh, God. Tired as a mother. Guys. Okay. I, I, okay. You did a great job raising me, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at, least it's, at least it's just saying thanks. Moms deserve all the thanks and praise in the world. Uh, don't mess with Mamasaurus. You'll get giraffe kicked. And it's the logo of Jurassic Park. It's just so stupid. Like, I, I, it's like one thing to like go for the easy pun. It's a whole other thing. I mean, I just ugh. unless your husband is a spitting image of Jeff Goldblum, in which case, good for you. I love a strapping man in a thick rimmed glass. Uh, I just don't understand why this is necessary. But that has nothing to do with wine. It's just bad taste, and it has uh, more five star reviews than my podcast does. So literally, I know nothing. Um, there's a coffee mug that says "Mom Fuel." Yeah, but first, coffee culture and uh, mom juice culture definitely there's there's a venn diagram there uh you have a glass with three dashes going vertically small pour large pour mom pour because mom pour is the full glass obviously i did think at one point if i would tour i would call it the full pour world tour to encourage my guests you know a sizable pour but also because i am that person that closely gazes while the person's pouring wine to see if I'm getting a full five ounces. If you're ordering wine by the glass and you skip on the five ounces, it's just so, it's rude. It's rude. It, I don't usually say anything unless it's really bad. Uh, I do own the handle be there in five ounces. I wish I was a sommelier. It's a whole thing. I don't know how, you know, I don't think I'll ever get around to it. Um, but I think there's a lot of like comedy in wine and it's just like a natural interest and one that doesn't have to be like, I drink because I hate my life. You know what I mean? I just like want us to appreciate it for what it is. And I feel like in America, wine culture has, I don't know. I just feel like the the middle's missing. I feel like it's high end, like auctioned, fancy, fancy wine. People that like drink Camus on a Tuesday, which isn't even, I mean, it's, it's not like top tier, but I mean, it's a $90 grocery store bottle, right? Uh, and people that have access to a certain price point and level that I don't. And then there's like, people who drink wine like just for the alcohol almost or like only drink white wines or drink to get drunk or forget their problems or to gab with the gals or at book club you know and i just feel like there's a like a uh, middle ground of like appreciating the craft of wine that like i just don't feel like a lot of millennials do that i'd love to contribute to in some way but i'm not really sure how i also love the dance of myself or somebody else trying to um you know artistically approach a tray of past beverages that are not evenly poured and find a way to reason why they grab for the largest pour despite it not being near their dominant hand (laughs) these are the things i obsess over at parties again party girl mama shark needs a drink do 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 nope hard nope nope absolutely not no hard pass mama juice 
Mom, since I could be the reason you drink, the best I could do is give you this glass. It's $16.97. If and when I do sell merch, I will be selling a cup that says bold yet unassuming. <laughs> Not above this, but my jokes will be different. Uh, let's see. Mom, no matter what life throws at you, at least you don't have ugly children. Okay. Uh, mommy sippy cup. The only wine mommy likes is W-H-I-N-E. Yoga class? Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. I can't handle this. I can't handle this. It's so cringy. Uh, it says yoga class? I thought you said pouring glass. Like, what? Does that even make sense? Oh, my God. As much as I am such a perpetuator of not like other girls' culture in ways I probably don't even notice because I think a lot of this podcast is me trying to like push back on some conventions. I never wanted to be like that because I don't like to work out, but I don't want to frame it that way. There's a series of labels you put on different bottles to give someone at a baby shower that they drink for like the moms first. Oh, I'm oh, I'm furious. I sound sarcastic, but I'm not. This is so bad. So it's six, it's mommy's first milestone stickers or wine labels. Great baby shower gift. And it's a, you, the bottle of wine you get after the following. Mom's first mommy meltdown. Mom's first public temper, temper tantrum. Uh, mom's first girls night. Mom's first date night with dad. Fine with that. Mom's first sleep through the night. A little dark for me. Mom fits in her favorite pants. This is messaging we don't need. It is my choice. A, whether I have pants that are favorite or not, I am an equal opportunist, and I am not going to uh, make a pair of pants my mortal enemy that is, serves as a daily reminder of how, how far I have to go with the baby weight. Beyond that, it is my call to make if I want to refer to it as baby weight or just the way my body has changed and I don't have to bounce back because who freaking cares? It's not a cheersing boomerang. We don't need to bounce back. Like, your body endures intense changes. Like, it's it's not the same. And that's fine, too. And, like, to project on women that they're, before they've even had the kid, that they're just, it's going to be such an accomplishment to, like, fit into their favorite pants. They get to w drink this bottle of wine as a reward. It's just, like, honestly, I'm having a bit of a moment where I'm looking at these things. And I'm, like, how on earth are people making me feel crazy for not <laughs> being excited? Like, okay, somebody's, like, Kate. Why are like why are you unsure about having kids? Like I don't understand. How could there be a doubt in your mind? I'm like, oh, I don't know because you just gave me nine bottles of wine, one for each rite of passage that I allegedly will pass as a parent because these situations are inevitable. One says first full night of sleep. One says first public temper tantrum. Me or the baby? I don't know. One says mom life, support wildlife, raise kids. Weird reference. One says first mommy meltdown. Glad it specified it's me. One says lost the baby weight milf alert i'll have you know that from the point of conception i will be a milf and you can't take that away from me first diaper blowout poop happens nope nope ladies first night out pump and dump first steps goodbye freedom mommy and daddy date night perhaps the worst offender at all offender of all it says bow chico wow wow underneath it's the onomatopoeia caption for me it's a goodbye freedom for me. Like, I just, I'm like, what do you mean? Why am I not nervous? What are you? <laughs> literally, literally, all that exists is an ecosystem of products designed to make me try and LOL about my impending doom. And like, it's one thing if you've experienced it before, 
But I think you have to understand this is like horrifying to somebody who doesn't, who hasn't had a kid before. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think this, I can see this being funnier once you know, like, you'll make it through and it's fine. Um, but like right now, uh, I would, I would cry. If somebody gave this to me, I would cry. <laughs> you got to know your audience, guys. First time you stick your finger in, ew. First projectile vomit. First time getting it on after, oh, sorry. I thought it was afterbirth, not getting it on afterbirth, but still, ew. Sorry, I'm now being annoying. I'm just like, I, I just think you, like, <laughs> I know that, I know I'd be fine. I have to deal with gross stuff with Tugbo. It's different when it's your kid. But I do think you need to be mindful of these gifts when it's somebody's first. Because, like, it just, I'm not there yet. Because uh, daddy's milestones, do you want to hear daddy's milestones that you put on a beer bottle, maybe a wine bottle? Daddy's milestones, unlike weight loss, terror, meltdown, sleepless nights, uh, lack of intimacy. What else was there? Como se dice? Ah, yes, projectile vomiting. Uh, dads are... Uh, dad's first baby on the move when the baby crawls uh, and we'll need to crack open a beer one is time alone with the baby it says dad's moving up to the big leads and he's braving it alone with the little one for the first time mom might come back a disaster and the child in mismatched clothing but both are alive and well that is true men do struggle with uh, patterns colors and putting on clothing uh, that doesn't look insane it's not like they get dressed every day or anything like is it that hard to dress a kid? I don't know. I'm being a curmudgeon. Dad's first diaper explosion. Dad's first date night. Dad's first time alone with the baby. Dad's first baby on the move. Dad's first time he gets peed on. Dad's first guy's night out. Dad's first spit up. Oh, come on. <laughs> like, these are not comparable rites of passage. What? Why isn't anyone telling dad to lose weight? I'm so annoyed, you guys. Ugh. Well, now I've, I've uh, fortunately found a new thing to deep dive. I love to rage dive at night. Deep scroll get really angry about things uh wine label gifts are my new thing because now i'm seeing there's a bunch of marriage firsts where it's just like you know you expect the mister to go out with the boys too much and you're furious drink this bottle i'm like what <laughs> oh lord mom's first mommy meltdown wine because raising tiny humans ain't easy this one says mom's favorite workout and it is a corkscrew in three different positions making it look like arms a lot of mama shark needs a drink do 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 to do and i just like do not get what those two have in common mother M mother noun that's like a definition and it says a person who does the work of 20 for free and deserves wine now you guys are you catching a pattern i'm like actually <sighs> screw it i'm drinking dinner they wine i wine mom of boys what's your superpower well, I don't know, you guys. I, I also, um, I think boy names. I have, I have five million boy names and, like, very few girl names. There's a line that says, because I've had it up to here, which is a full pour. Uh, re really rethinking full pour world tour. I wanted it to be elevated, and I don't want this. <laughs> this one just says, because kids. Because kids. If that isn't, like, the whole problem in and of itself, it's just, like, what am I supposed to think? <laughs> uh, I promise I'll stop soon. This one says because distant distance learning. I mean, geez, people move fast. Also fair. 
I think I want to reiterate, I know that we are in weird times and like being a parent is probably harder than ever and needing the wine is actually probably harder than ever. And I probably would make jokes and drink wine and sit down and be like, thank God. Mama Shark needs a drink. Do, 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 do. No, kill me. I will never say that. <laughs> uh, mother, mothers and sons never truly part, maybe in distance, but never in heart. Ladies, do not marry the woman's son who has that. She will be all up in your grill. Living near her, about babysitting, about telling you how to parent. There, I couldn't tell you from ownership of this paraphernalia how intrusive your mother-in-law will be. <laughs> Some of these are quite harsh, I must say. I mean, I, I don't mean to, you know, Laura Ingalls Wilder here, but if you handed me a wine glass at your home that says, I'm not always a bitch, just kidding, go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'd be like, okie doke. <laughs> to the space outward, face me. I, I don't know who this is directed toward. Oh my God, do you guys remember Lolita? Lolita, hand-painted wine glass culture, deserves its own deep dive. That's just, that That honestly, that in that, and not Kathy Comics. Like grumpy old lady on every magnet and greeting card in every offbeat gift store ever. One of my other favorite things is when your friend doesn't drink for like one occasion one night dds randomly you know like isn't in the mood and like the, all of a sudden they're like i'm such a mom i'm like the mom of the group and i'm like i don't i don't know i think you just didn't drink tonight but usually you're like ragdoll just like flopping in a cab you know <laughs> anyway now who have we gotten uh, out of mommy wine culture just just some other pet peeves that were fun before we get into uh, more serious stuff but also, uh, you know, quick ad break. I hope you know. Uh, a, thank you for not denying my livelihood. B, uh, less than 5% of this show uh, are comprised of ads. As opposed to an average of uh, 30% on television. So I appreciate your patience. But I try to tie in things that are helpful to you guys. And I have more homework for you for upcoming episodes. Remember when I told you in advance that I would be covering Finding Freedom? I have another Harry and Meghan book kind of on the horizon. Uh, Battle of the Brothers, which uh, looks as bad as it sounds. And also, I want to read Mariah Carey's memoir. And those are two that I'm uh, interested in covering in some fashion on this podcast. So if you want to read those in advance, just a heads up, uh, you can do so with Audible. I highly recommend it because they are the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, languages, business motivation, and more. Audible is now giving members even more with the all-new Plus Catalog. All members have access to the growing Plus Catalog with thousands of select audiobooks, podcasts, Audible originals, guided fitness and meditation programs, sleep tracks for better rest, and more included with the membership. I love a sleep track. <laughs> I have trouble sleeping, and if I get, I'll get distracted if I watch actual content. So I like listening to people read stories, or I like listening to like uh, the sound of a thunderstorm in a log cabin. You know, it's a whole thing. But what's awesome about Audible is that you your membership gets you one credit every month, good for any title in the entire premium section of bestsellers and new releases, regardless of price, to keep forever. I It's fun because I have so many uh, books in my Audible at my disposal, so many celebrity memoirs especially, and there are excerpts I like. Like, I'll re-listen to stuff from Mindy Kaling's Why Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? Uh, I love the bit she does about, like, how all a guy needs to be, like, a great guy or, like, a hot guy is, like, a peacoat and some keels. And, like, yes, it's kind of not fair. And uh, you don't have to use your credits right away. They save. It's honestly such a convenient service. And I always end up using my credits. And I know you guys will love it, too. I mean, if you listen to podcasts and you like long form, this is perfect for you. 
So if you want to start exploring Audible with a free 30-day trial now, I would love, love, love it. If you wanted to support the podcast and you would go to audible.com slash be there in five or text be there in five to five zero zero five zero zero. Again, that's audible.com slash be there in five or text be there in five to five zero zero five zero zero. While we're here, uh, the next few weeks are going to be tough stuff. I am not looking forward to my insomnia being back in full swing. Whether I li- listen to sleep tapes or sleep on my lovely mattress, hopefully I'll be covered. You guys, I, 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 I'm obsessed with Helix. We've worked with them for like a year now. They're so awesome as a company. I'm on a mission to get people everywhere to impl- replace their crappy mattress at their parents' house. It's like a college twin XL with like springs aplenty. What's, there's like no better gift than a gift that kind of like serves you subtly. <laughs> I'm a monster. Uh, but truly, before like Christmas and Thanksgiving, why not send yourself the gift of comfort under the guise of gifting them a new guest bed? Because we can't sleep on these coiled, not this coiled nonsense anymore. And when you sleep on one of these, you will be obsessed. You go on the website, helixsleep.com. You take a customizable sleep quiz. It tells you exactly what you need based on if, you know, the position you, you sleep in, if there's a partner you want to factor in their sleep behavior to. Uh, if you prefer firm or soft, whatever it is. And even though it seems intimidating to get a mattress you haven't sat on on the internet, it's so, so precise. And everyone I know who uh, has gotten one it's worked for and they've DM me about it and I'm thrilled. And I just, I love the women we work with there. As you know, with the Freds of the world, like I've just had a time with some <laughs> interactions that like, I just, they, they listen to the podcast, they get it. They're awesome. I love them. And I know it's not part of the product thing, but you know, I like to support companies that, uh, are run by great people. And it, it does actually matter to me and the dollars that I spend. And um, anyway, you don't have to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ, Wired Magazine, and Apartment Therapy. And they have a 10-year warranty. You get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. Like, that's, that's legit. They'll actually pick it up if you don't love it, which just takes the pressure off of the whole, I need to sit on it first of it all. So anyway, if you go to helixsleep.com slash be there in five, take their two minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. I swear. Be there in five. I swear. Best sleep of your life. I swear. They are offering up to $200 off all mattress orders. So get up to $200 off at helixsleep.com slash be there in five. Again, helixsleep.com slash be there in five for $200 off for the best sleep of your life. I'll go through these. Seeing the toys everywhere. Yeah, that stresses me out, but it's probably uh, tugboats toys are everywhere uh breastfeeding struggles good to keep it real but these daily nipple updates yeah exactly (laughs) when younger parents talk about how old they are i'm 39 and finally ready i i hear that i just posted a video (laughs) that i saw on tiktok of this woman that has 11 children and she's 30 and at the end of the video she she goes god i'm so it sounds so old i'm like 11 kids you guys i understand in like the old timey days when you were trying to like figure out you know your cycle with your mucus lining or whatever the thing i learned in pre-cana you know hard to predict you know the without birth control i understand this would be hard but at the same time i tug boat could you relax please he's sitting in a suitcase i'm going to the napa of the midwest this weekend and uh he's anxious i love you it to me too i'm like do all of you can do all of your kids get enough attention like i don't know if that's a rude question to ask but like i don't know i was tap dancing for my parents to make sure i was a star of the show and i only had two siblings perfect kits and activities kids modeling outfits kids on social media in general privacy question mark the idea of needing mom juice at the end of every day spooky those tiktoks of moms in bathrooms whose kids are yelling for them on the outside 
Yes. They're trying to have one moment of peace. And the kids are like, devil horn, devil horn, you thought. Um, I find this deeply troubling. Uh, in the shower, in the bathroom, um, you know, no thanks to Charlotte York in the pantry, having a meltdown. I don't know if it was fair to snap because, oh, no, it was Lily. Wasn't it like vintage Valentino? It was a cream pencil skirt, Charlotte. Go to Ann Taylor Loft. It's fine. I didn't love that look. Uh, talk about what they do if they were single or childless and just the assumption of less responsibility, more time. Yeah, as if like people that are childless just willy-nilly, you know, party in the USA. Um Mom's referring to their nursing son as a boob man. Ew, no, ew. Literally, there's few things I find more upsetting than a baby onesie that's like about being milk drunk. I find milk drunk to be so gross. Uh, just the term. And like a picture of a baby that's like tired. It just I, I don't know. <laughs> Breastfeeding's beautiful. It's not that. It's just like the term milk drunk's weird to me. Um, and the, when that's on onesies, but worse when it's like um, a onesie that suggests like how mommy and daddy made the baby. I think it's so gross and weird and not funny. Like, especially if it suggests the baby's an accident, especially if it suggests like mommy got had too many margaritas. I'm just like, what? Like, I, no, absolutely not. It's one thing if you make like a silly onesie at a bridal shower. I mean, you know, I get a little crazy with a Sharpie. You put one in my hand with a tiny piece of fabric in front of me. I would draw Pitbull, Mr. Worldwide Awake. Who the hell knows? Uh, my sister-in-law inexplicably loves Mark Ruffalo. I made her a Mark Ruffalo onesie that said, you're my one in Ruffalo only. You know, it's like you got to get creative sometimes. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Uh, it scares you for the possibility of being infertile. Yep. At least just speaking for myself. Um, when you're already like not sure about you wanting it right it's like then you think of going through the that process that's so intense on your body and like so emotionally taxing and physically taxing and it's like yeah it's a whole nother layer of of angst for sure the obsession with target you'll have to live and blow your savings there <laughs> uh people whose bodies bounce back immediately because they're self they're just selflessly running after a toddler all day teehee it's so easy Okay, yeah, saying you lost the baby weight from breastfeeding or because you run after a toddler all day is like the equivalent of saying, I just drink lots of water and get lots of sleep. You know what I mean? It's like, we're all, we all do that, Caitlin. Like, if I could just drink a lot of water and get a lot of sleep and be <laughs> fit as a fiddle, I think I would do that. You're not telling us something. Um, Dex Shepard saying his career success was not as meaningful as he expected, but being a parent was. Well, that's nice. I, I know. I kind of like hearing stuff like that, too. Uh, I love people being honest that it's not all butterflies and rainbows in general, but it can also sound awful. Everyone's psychotic routines. It feels so rigid and demanding of perfection. Yeah, I'm not great with a schedule. I work off of memory, which is not going to go great for me in this context. The whole notion of travel while you can before you have kids. I know. That's a big one that I think is so daunting. Because if you're a person that prioritizes that, it's like there's so much you haven't seen and done. And I'm like, well, shit, I haven't gone to, uh, you know, Southeast Asia on a safari. Again, moms of the world, I hope you know these are just things like we don't understand. Not that you can't post them. It's just like, like this person said, why, like, why can't mom shower? Can you not shower when the baby naps? 
Maybe you want to sleep. I don't know. I don't know, you guys. These are questions I can't answer. Parents with four plus children implying that anything fewer is not a real family. Your kids will be unhappy. Ew, gross. Do people say that? (laughs) So many cuddly, gorgeous photos with mom in them. It's so sweet, but so unrealistic. Like, who is taking them? And how did she find the time to get so uh, put together? I was thinking about this the other day because, like, I, I, my phone is just it's 80 percent photos of Greg and Tugwood that are adorable. Like, he just doesn't take a lot of photos as a person. Uh, but he's also like not sharing stuff on social media or Facebook or whatever. We're just like living our life. But that's what's like I always laugh about not having an Instagram husband and how I do think your like aesthetics is success can be uh, have a bit of a ceiling without a partner that has a knack for photography. It's one of those things where he's not rude about it. I just don't think he understands the nature of needing more than one photo. If somebody asks me to take their photo, I go, I'm like Gilles Ben Simon. I'm, I, I am full on like standing up, sitting down, high angles, low angles, portrait, landscape. I just tap, 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 tap. You never know what you're going to get. I don't know if they have live photo turned on. We, we got to get something candid. I say something goofy. I try to get, you know, if I can get a few like uh, unassuming laughter pics with your mouth agape. I mean, I want you to, even though I am put off by you asking me to take your photo, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Uh, but I just notice how many men are just like uh, impatient with my photo needs. And, uh, I think about this about, I'm like, I probably won't have any photos with my child, like literally none, because I just, you won't think to take the photos as much. And, uh, then I think about how vapid and weird it is for me to get all ready, like sit in a cute, cuddly position with my child looking like angelic and like I'm partially asleep, but making sure to crane my neck enough so my chin has definition. And then being like, honey, will you take natural photos of me and our child so I look like a good parent? You know what I mean? The whole thing's icky to me. And it's I think without like an Instagram husband who is constantly following you looking for content, it's hard to um, manufacture those scenarios and read some emails i became a mom in the height of pinterest june 2014 and all the aspirational projects and cutesy crafts and things i would see people doing with their kids painting sensory bins etc it made me feel really intimidated i'm just not an arts and crafts person never have been hated art class through school have a math degree and taught high school math before having kids took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that that's just not my jam as a mom but being a stay-at-home mom i felt a lot of pressure to be a certain crafty way and it took a while to learn to play to my strengths sometimes that was super helpful to me uh something that was super helpful to me were little mom hacks it seems so stupid but once i saw something about using timers on days when you feel stretched then that truly changed my life timers for everything 20 minutes of dedicated playtime, 20 minutes cleaning 20 minutes of reading tv nap that way i'm dedicating all my attention to each specific thing and it feels like i get more things done um some mom hacks seem stupid until you're a mom i would have balked at setting timers before having a bunch of kids <laughs> no that's really interesting i mean i'm the one that when people when i was talking about uh, how moms are surviving like COVID and, and distance learning and stuff was like told people that they should do a time tracker and eliminate what's taking too much time and delivering the least value. Because I actually think that like sometimes when things are so crazy and bad, like all you can do is like collect data and try to be objective, right? This person said the Childless Millennial podcast was dead on. I have a toddler and he's great. I work full time and was promoted while pregnant. I don't follow much mom content on social media because I usually can't relate except for no chill preschool or on Instagram. There are some gems on there that have made me laugh hard. I got to write that down. Uh, no chill preschooler. <laughs> I love that name. Uh, one thing I thought of was how I used to go to this mom and baby yoga class while I was on maternity leave. The other moms were not going to, back to work. 
It was also a place for the moms to discuss the new mom life, and the conversation usually centered around how tired everyone was and the demands of breastfeeding. I bottle-fed formula exclusively, so that was given a bit of a polite, that's okay, when I felt judged under the surface. I should have known I wasn't really going to fit in when I told them I had run three miles on the treadmill the first day when we did a check-in about how our morning was and then realized I looked like I was bragging, but up to that moment, I was happy with how I'd been able to put myself first. I strongly believe putting self first means you're better able to take care of your child. What's missing from the social media content, a how-to or normalization of what moms do to succeed and get things done. Like baby in a rock and play while you shower, or we have a whole thing called stroller snacks, which is how I can run with a stroller and my son thinks it's something special. Social media doesn't show the baby on the bathroom floor while you get ready for work or the other things that are realistic to get things done. Or you can let a child cry in their crib for 10 minutes while you do what you need to do. Social media is either I live in a tornado or everything's perfect, but no details on how it got that way. I've written and rewritten another sentence. I wanted to say that there are a lot of things you can do to make it easier, including getting a daycare set up ASAP when pregnant, baby's father, your partner, paternity leave duration is very important, and actual 50-50 parenting. But you don't see much advice on social media like that. All the advice is about enjoying the babies while they're little and accepting your body. It does not have to suck. Being aware of yourself and standing up for what you need helps. Thank you. I love that. I I like that thing with like stroller snacks and I see a lot of that stuff on TikTok that I actually love and I wish I'd like kept track of. Oh, I've been seeing it a lot from teachers. Um like th- there's this teacher talking about this game she plays called Secret Student and that makes her kids cooperate and I was like god these women are heroes and geniuses. Uh but yes, I love that. And I agree with the last paragraph. I like it, I think like I said last time it's just it's almost just so situational for me that I don't have maternity leave and my husband doesn't have paternity leave so it's just like gotta be a free-for-all um there are a few this person said there are a few influencers who I follow who have shed in depth about their fertility struggles and getting pregnant and resources they use as someone who just believes sad that I will have issues getting pregnant for no real reason me too it was really helpful to hear about their journey and the recommendations they shared to learn more about the process in your body I think these women do a really good job not aggressively baby spamming and also staying very positive about their experience post-childbirth because they're so grateful and happy that they could have a baby. All of them were eventually able to successfully conceive. To go back to your pod, I think those who did struggle have such a different relationship with their partners when the baby comes because they've had to talk about it and feel so much of the hard stuff, i.e. what if this never works? That's an interesting perspective. Thanks so much for sharing. I plan on re-listening this week. I'm 32 and I just got my IUD out. But how can I do this in my job slash life? Well, I don't know. I've canceled my appointment five times. One, two, three, four, five in the past several months since April. Five. I'm surprised my doctor isn't sent in for a wellness check. Thank you for sharing. Um, this person said, uh, childless millennial, help me sort out some of the feelings I've been having since becoming a mom to my six-month-old daughter. A few random things. Feel free to use what you wish. One, unhelpful social media content. Anything that says, I've never known love until I saw my daughter for the first time. This can be troubling and unrealistic, and I was so glad of a therapist I trust in the early days of motherhood. I think we go into having a baby with this expectation that you lock eyes and fall in love, and I'm learning from my own experience as well as through candid conversation with my friends that this is not always the case. Sure, you're happy and excited, but the puddle of love social media makes you think you'll melt, and it didn't happen for me. It was about three weeks after my daughter was born and she was crying nonstop. And I put on T-Swift Lover and she stopped crying when I felt a real bond. Why is that? Baby? It's a beautiful song. I cry when I dance with a tugboat to love her. <laughs> uh, side note, after going through two miscarriages, when I finally saw a beating heart of my baby on an ultrasound, and I played Lover on the way home and cried tears of joy. So it holds a special place for me. Well, you're going to, I'm not strong enough for this. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. And thank you for sharing. That's really sweet. Um, 
I found myself feeling more career motivated and oriented than ever before. I think it may have been sitting on my couch all summer watching The Good Wife that made me long for returning to work that I loved. <laughs> Never seen The Good Wife, should I? It actually helped me mentally realign with my priorities, and now I'm encouraged to pursue bigger and more challenging roles. I think it's partly wanting to be a role model for my daughter and also realizing that I'm a better parent when I'm more fulfilled professionally. I love that you talk about the middle ground of what media portrays as either extreme PPD or being the perfect mom. There are mornings when I'm pumping, curling my hair on a conference call with Europe and bouncing my baby in her bouncy chair, and I'm like, oh, I'm killing it. Then there are days when I just feel so tired and I want a vacation from it all. My experience is that there is no one single truth that applies to this stage of life. It's hard, fun, beautiful, stressful, and confusing. I love that. Some might say happy, free, confused, and lonely at the same time. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you guys are awesome. Oh, this person said one thing I dreaded before I had my daughter was the pressure I knew I'd experienced to bounce back on my pr- to my pre-baby body after giving birth. Influencers love to show their postpartum bodies fitting back into their double zero genes right after birth, but it's not realistic for new moms. I love being a new mom in the body that created my amazing baby, but my entire pregnancy, I was just thinking about how it will how will I get my body back quickly, and it definitely took a toll on my mental health. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a fascinating phenomenon sorry i'm like i was like reading typing drinking coffee i'm having a great time i feel relaxed this morning uh i'm going to the map of the midwest uh with my in-laws we meet up like or trying to meet up at least like twice a year in western michigan oh and i'm excited because i think i'm doing something um with like uh i don't want to i don't know if i what i'm supposed to say long story short i'm going to help those of you at least in the midwest uh, tell you, tell you where to go, what to do, the hot spots of uh, having a getaway in Western Michigan wine country. Because I just think like getting out of your routine is so important, and I just don't think we're going to be able to travel like meaningfully for a while. And I just know I have so like such a concentration of Midwest listeners, and um, I want to, I want to uh, problem solve. You know, there's many things we can't solve, but I do think that we can, you know, not, try not to laugh at a Michigan Cabernet Franc. <laughs> It deserves a chance. <laughs> that's not this weekend. That's like in a few weeks, but more on that later. Um, this per- oh, I, I was saying that I think it's an interesting phenomenon where it's like, on the one hand, like body image stuff is so personal and on such a spectrum. And for some people, their absolute most vulnerable state is like showing their already tiny body on Instagram with like a stretch mark. And you, and it, you know, I kind of want to like hit my head against the wall because I'm like, ah, not, you're kind of missing the point. But then it's like, I don't want to take away that vulnerability from them. You know, it's like it, the, the point isn't the size. The point is feeling like yourself. Uh, but I just I don't I, I always wonder how helpful or harmful that is, because um, a it's like, why is yeah, why is the conversation about getting your body back and not just like uh, recovering, existing to thrive, to like thriving? Um, I can't imagine being a new mom paired with that pressure. I just I under, like I tell listen i'm i'm nothing if not vain like i definitely care about how i look and feel um but i i just think that like that being a focal point is is a problem and that's just i don't know if like that's the right type of vulnerability we need immediately postpartum like show that your body looks different than what it's been through yeah like you're amazing uh but projecting that pressure onto other people that maybe didn't even feel it yet but are like well geez if you're like obsessing with bouncing back like should i be you know it, it gets in people's heads and i think yeah we just need to be careful uh, to to caveat what works for us might not work for everybody and that it's not how we look necessarily but perhaps how um we feel 
but I don't know the best thing to do. I actually am going to do an upcoming episode that I'm excited for kind of dissecting, um, the, uh, image of the type of woman in the early mid aughts, 2010s, the height of the VS angel. It's the type of, uh, body we like all worshiped and compared ourselves to and the obsession with like diet culture and the toxicity that I think a lot of millennials grew up with that is better now, not perfect. Um, but I just think, I don't know, there's so many interesting layers there and I, I, I never really have tackled that subject in depth and I definitely, um, want to not from the perspective of like my size or diet or this or that, but from the perspective of like, here are the implications on these different phases and things on like your mental health, on your perception of beauty. Um, and I think that like, when we kind of go tit for tat, I'm like, well, at least you have abs, you're this size, you're that size, you're like, but I kind of am interested in like going back and dissecting like the messaging and kind of in a similar way of purity culture and looking back now that I'm like older at all the problematic things I did that even though I never had an eating disorder, like the disordered behavior, so much of us deployed like loudly and proudly um, when I was younger is shocking to me. And then one of my friends said something the other day about wearing black that like shook me to my core and I felt very seen in a way that like I didn't, it was something I didn't even, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Gotta stay on topic. This person says, OMG, I've never sent an email to a blogger slash influencer. Um, I'm neither. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know I use that term like umbrella too. Uh, okay. Actually, you guys. So I know I'm influencer adjacent and I have influence and I actually don't hate that term that much, but I just don't monetize Instagram. And the biggest reason I like to distinguish that is because like, if I'm not always super responsive or like, if I don't engage in the way everyone else does, like I just, it's an ancillary part of my job, but like, it's not my job. So I don't want people to get mad at me if I'm not doing it perfectly. Uh, but I am doing the very first paid thing on Instagram in like a few weeks. And I'm very excited about it. It's not Arby's. Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, I became a mom last year at 32. And while I, always knew I wanted to be a mom. The blogger mom seen as the absolute worst, and I could not give two shits less about what they're all doing. My advice to moms is always to have an idea of what you want your life to look like and then work your child into that life. Husband and wife or whatever your partnership looks like first, and then baby, baby second, always. The other piece of advice I got when I became a mom was this. At the end of the day, your child needs two things from you other than food, shelter, etc. And that is love and attention. And that stuck with me. A year later, it totally resonates. None of the other bullshit matters. Which brings me to your question about what social media stuff is ruining motherhood for some of us. Two things come to mind. One, hashtag mom guilt. Never had it, don't care about it. And so, so sick of other moms posting about it. I'm all about you do you. Literally, if you need to put on four hours of Paul Patrol so you can get shit done, so be it. There are days I can sit on the floor and play with my son. There are days the last thing I want to do is play with a one-year-old, so I don't. And I sure as hell don't feel bad about it. And that's fine. If moms would stop posting about mom guilt, then maybe moms would, I don't know, have less guilt. Woof. Let's see here. Two, the birthday parties. No, one, two, three, four, 18 year old needs such an insane birthday party. I'm super frugal and try to do my son's first birthday party in August in a pandemic on the cheap, but I still spent $300 because that shit adds up. Okay, it was probably like $100 of beer, but still balloons, homemade funfetti cakes, snacks, and beer. That was literally it. And I still spent nearly $300. But can we stop with the $5,000, $10,000 birthday parties? In what world does a child need that? How does that serve them? And a lot of this stump stuff is comp for mom bloggers, and I get it. So let's be transparent about that. Let's talk about what was given for free and really promote those small businesses. That's awesome. But few bloggers are doing that, and that's just so unnecessary, all of it. Um, it's breeding the next generation's obsession with materialism, and it's such excess, excess, and I wish it would stop. Hashtag rant over. It's interesting. I have mixed feelings about that because, like, 
Well, I, yeah, I think the there's a there's a point where it's so over the top and like unnecessary. Uh, but I also like I I try to think of it in the context of like it's just not my language of love to to like put on an event or a party or to like host in that way. Even though you know I really talked a big game about my charcuterie boards, um, and it's like if if the point is the show and the social media. And to be a Pinteresty mom and just the optics, like that's sad. If it's a like kind of active service or gift love language type thing where like the way you're able to express your excitement for your child is through a more elaborate birthday party and you have the funds. Like I don't know if I care, but you're right. The way you present it doesn't matter. And like how much of it was free matters. And like I think too, that's where we have to draw a line of like this person's level of wealth and extravagance is unrelatable and damaging to me. Like I don't want to follow them. Or you can appreciate them for what they are. Is there room for improvement? Like, absolutely. But um, I think, too, I like I understand it in the context of like having fertility issues and like how exciting it is, you know, with, you know, with a baby. And I also think, too, when like when it's the first when, like nephew or niece or grandchild or whatever, you kind of do it big for them. But I do laugh because um, it's almost there's an inverse relationship. The, the, the parties are the craziest and like least catered to kids. And more toward like adults and optics and Pinterest, I feel like the younger they are because the kid can't say no. So there's a bunch of stuff they like don't want or need because like, again, can't talk or walk. Uh, but, you know, to, to each their own. Kate, I ran a half marathon this weekend and met a woman. At the start, we bonded over being, but be there in five lists. Shut up. Oh, my God. The marathons. Uh, I love that. Uh, so I'm, <laughs> I'm stopping with email. I actually, we have one more ad. I've, I'm just going to do the last ad and then we'll cruise on through with the rest of these stories. But this is a uh, synergistic because uh, I knew marathons would come up and I have a really fun new advertiser. I have been looking for a sock advertiser. I'm not kidding. Um, I don't know if you know this about me. I have like, as a highly sensitive person, I have like a lot of issues with like to, to the way things feel and like touch and tactile things. And I do have to sleep with socks, which some people say makes you great. Like, a psychopath, but I I like to have warm feet. Is that weird? Anyway, and there's like synergy here because these are for runners and regular people. Not that regular people don't run, but like I don't run, but I know a lot of you do because this is the official podcast of Marathon Training. Uh, but anyways, guys, this is this brand is called Features, and it's really cool. F E E T as in features, of course. And no joke, they've been solely focused on engineering uh, and innovative, high performance socks for almost twenty years. They've created a sock with a custom like fit to prevent issues with socks like bunching, slipping friction and blisters. I have a lot of issues with like Achilles heel type blisters and socks slipping. And I'm not kidding when I tell you this drives me insane. And these don't slip and they come with this like pad. Some of the socks, it, you can get different levels of cushioning. Literally it has like a pad on your heel to make your shoes more comfortable. I don't know if they're supposed to be just for runners, but as a person that like practices aggressive leisure, they really are working for me too. And uh, I just, I don't know. It's like, this reminds me of doormats in a sense, right? Like uh, it's uh, innovation on what's kind of like a ubiquitous category. Some might consider stale, like, well, how can you reinvent the wheel, reinvent the sock? But like they did. And it hugs around the arch of your foot. It keeps the sock in place and it won't slide down. And it has this like anatomical design that conforms to the left and right shape of your foot. So like there's an L and an R, uh, which I kind of like actually. Uh, it helps me keep track of them. And uh, it helps you work out harder, recover faster, get stronger, run faster, all the things and in a much more comfortable way than other socks. And they're durable and long lasting. And if you're unsatisfied at any point, they'll give you a replacement. No questions asked. It also uh, was founded in, you know, where my parents live in North Carolina in 2002 uh, by a man named Hugh. And now he and his two sons own and operate it. And their mission is to create products that help you achieve your personal best. And we love that. 
So if you want to see why features has quickly become the number one running sock in America, for listeners of Be There in 5, you can receive $10 off your first pair of features by going to F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S.com and using my code Be There in 5. That's $10 off your first pair of features when you go to F-E-E-T-U-R-E-S.com and enter promo code Be There in 5 at checkout. Again, that's features.com. Use code Be There in 5 at checkout to get $10 off your first pair of features. Kate, I ran a half marathon this weekend and met a woman. At the start, we bonded over being, but be there in five lists. Just shut up. Oh my God, the marathons. Uh, I love that. Uh, we're both moms of two-year-olds and we both love the Childless Millennial episode. Um, I have so many thoughts on the topic. You capitalized it. I love it. Uh, but for me, the biggest thing that set me off in new motherhood and that continues to give me a lot of anxiety is the moms who play things off like they are super women without ever admitting that they have loads of help. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for help. I think help is awesome. Family help, paid help, whatever. Help is sweet. Give me all the help. Um, her. Oh, her best friend is from Utah and is Mormon. She lives in New York. And while she's still Mormon, she's very aware of the way Utah Mormon culture is. I once called her hysterically crying because I was so overwhelmed by feeling like I was feeling at everything. Motherhood, work and marriage and said something like, how does uh, you know this blogger have a massive clean house and all these kids? And there's always done and is rich and has this picture perfect life and blah 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 and her friend um said that like all of these bloggers uh, essentially hide full-time nannies and housekeepers like the, they never show them and that they'll never admit it and they will never tell you in an instagram q and i appreciate the intel interesting it's does this person know for sure um it sounds like it uh uh the whole point is that these moms who show off their perfect lives but never cop up to having help. I think that's a massively unrealistic look at motherhood and it just makes everyone feel shitty. Uh, see also this other blogger having a 24 hour night nurse, but never admitting that when she talked about her three hour morning routine, that's totally attainable. eye roll. Sorry, this is too long. I'll be there in five. I swear guys never apologize to me for anything long. <laughs> I love that. Uh, this person said, also, I'm just like dying. You met somebody at a half marathon. Um, and they're both like, that's crazy. This person said, uh, firstly, if you haven't read it before, this article about targeted marketing to pregnant mothers is fascinating, particularly how marketers know how hard it is to change buyers' habits, but apparently matrescence is one of the biggest openings they have to steer women toward different shopping and buying habits. It says, when some customers were going through a major life event like graduating from college or getting a new job or moving to a new town, their shopping habits became flex flexible in ways that were both predictable and potential gold mines for retailers. In the 80s, a team of researchers led by UCLA professor Alan Anderson Took, undertook a study of people's most mundane purchases like soap, toothpaste, trash bags, and toilet paper. They learned that most shoppers paid almost no attention to how they bought these products and that the purchases occurred habitually without any complex decision-making, which meant it was hard for marketers despite their displays and coupons and product promotions to persuade shoppers. And among life events, none are more important than the arrival of a baby. At that moment, new parents' habits are more flexible than, it, than at almost any other time in adult lives. If companies can identify pregnant shoppers, they can earn millions. Oh, that's like creepy. But I also understand. Um, I have a soon-to-be two-year-old son. I waited till I was 35 and married 10 years before I was ready to even think about becoming a parent. And I even then, I never felt a divine purpose to motherhood. Still don't. But I was ready for something to change in our life. Parting wasn't as fulfilling as it once was. And I thought as ready as I ever, I was ready as I ever would be. Read not ready at all when we started trying. A couple things. I obviously can't speak for everyone, but after having my son, the things that have always been important to me and fundamental to my sense of self remained extremely important. Thinking about this now, COVID and lockdown has definitely robbed me of more of my self-care and well-being than motherhood did. In over 10 years, I never went to the office without putting makeup on, and now I never wear it. I miss that side of myself. 
During maternity leave, I knew that getting out of the house every single day, shower, dressed, real clothes, makeup on was top priority for my mental health. And on the few occasions that I didn't manage that, my husband came home to an emotional wreck of a human. I had an infant with complex medical needs that he's still got, but he's thriving, so don't worry. But I knew I couldn't be the kind of caregiver or parent I needed for him if I wasn't looking after myself first. When I went back to work after four months, I danced my way back into the office ready to reclaim that part of myself because my career in using my mind analytically is fundamental to my happiness and state of well-being, sense of well-being. My husband took over childcare for the next three months until we put the kid in daycare. Um, and he almost never left the house, let alone showered or got dressed. It just wasn't important to him. And he was beyond happy chilling with the baby and binging Game of Thrones and waiting till I got home to get ready. That's an interesting thing, too. Like, I feel like there's a lot of um, almost like I think when parents do. This is why this is tricky. If somebody seems to have it together or like looks nice, there's this tendency to be like, you look nice. You have it together. It's kind of like the people that made that mom feel bad for running because when somebody else runs, what do I think? I'm like, well, geez, I don't work out. God, I suck. Like, uh, must be nice to be productive. You know, it's like I've talked at length before about how throughout life, we're all women experience being like slightly overdressed and people just are so rude about it. Like, you look cute. Where are you going? You're dressed up. And it's just like, shut up. And I'm a person that likes to be a smidge overdressed. At the very least, my hair and makeup will always be done because that's how we feel like myself. And I find makeup is like my yoga. Like it's cathartic. I like getting ready. Um, and I I see like, yeah, if I had done a full face of makeup and hair that I prioritized that morning and somebody's like, you look nice. She has a lot of time on her hands. It's like, what you're not seeing is how important that is to my mental health. And like, we're just different. It's not it's not in vain. It's not because I want to like look hot. It's because I just really enjoy the process and accentuating my features. And it makes me feel like awake, you know. Uh, anyway. One of the things that struck me while listening to the first podcast was that while I've probably experienced every one of the things that sound very off-putting by be about becoming a parent, finding time to shower, being tired, body not feeling or looking like your own, I definitely didn't experience them all daily and or continuously. And many of those characteristics are most notable during the fourth trimester or early infancy. That doesn't make these changes any less difficult or scary, but it certainly doesn't last forever. I love the idea of your before and after podcast on this issue because I actually think that hashtag mom life deserves a during and after update. Hear about people's very specific parenthood challenges in great detail, but as the kids develop in age and new challenges come to the fore, old ones fade away, you only hear about the new challenges. And maybe if you haven't experienced it, you wouldn't realize the previous issue du jour has long been resolved. Just a few thoughts. The first installment, I loved the first installment and absolutely resonated with an already mom. And this stuff never goes away. I have the same anxiety about whether or not to have another kid. Did I t say that earlier? That was my other realization. I was like, oh man. <laughs> It's not just doing this once. It's doing this for like over and over and over again. Um, it's really so crazy. Thank you for that email. And thank you for the before and after comment. I, I see like duetting myself on TikTok in the long form. And it almost to me is like a commitment to, I get so worried about podcasts getting cluttered, like about keeping your interest. It's like, it's scary. Like, I don't know. It's like now I like live off this and it's so weird, but like, I, I really love it. And um like I said, a big issue with my anxiety is just like making sure my income level, uh, you know, justifies childcare because I don't have a mat leave uh, and my husband doesn't have paternity leave and we don't live near family. So we're just anybody who watches our child, uh, we will be paying. <laughs> um, and uh, it's like, even though I, even when I got to a place where I feel more comfortable, it's just not it's just unpredictable. Like, I don't know if like some other medium will come out. I don't know if you guys will get tired of me. I do feel like people move on and find new content and that's fine. Um, 
but it almost, I don't know. I liked the idea. It helped me like be vulnerable to be like, I want to have like a Testament or a time capsule, um, you know, in lieu of, like I said, Rosie retrospect. So I can actually be like more meaningfully helpful than telling like a strategic story of how I felt back then or like backtracking. So by doing that, it's kind of a commitment for me. Like I can't, like I will still do this. I'll still have my show. I'll still be talking to you guys. I hope you'll stay with me. Uh, but I don't even know what that looks like. Right. No, there may never, like who knows? Like I just, I don't know, but I appreciate you saying that because I, um, I just hope people will stick around is all, uh, let's see. Parenting content, pet peeves, one gender reveal parties, not even mother nature is on board with this ridiculous tradition. First problem I have is a technicality because it should be called a sex reveal party. <laughs> You're right. Though totally get why the title doesn't really take off. Secondly, don't we collectively all understand that gender is a spectrum? I hate this binary pink and blue. It's so 1986. Uh, t- gender, they, they are, they are a hoot and a half gender reveal parties. Uh, nursery reveals. And if I'm being honest, perfectly curated nurseries in general. These baby bedrooms are getting out of control. There's just a lot of pressure to keep up with the Joneses and nurse- nurseries are no exception. People do this because everyone else is and seem to forget to ask themselves how necessary it is to have a that your baby's bedroom have a consistent color scheme. Three, all period, the period, stuff period. I'm pregnant with my first child, first trimester, so I feel clueless, and I'm overwhelmed with all the stuff that it seems like we'll need. It's a little about the cost of everything and a lot about is this all really necessary. We currently have a one-bedroom apartment, hopefully moving soon, which isn't super easy in Berlin. But if we stay in this apartment, the question of whether we can buy a dock atop playpen, is that what those are called? I don't know. A, I think pack and play maybe? I don't know. One's for a dog, one's for a baby. I forget. Uh, whatever else babies chilling during the day will literally come down to square footage. Yeah. Uh, she said helpful content is one activities and practical tips, i.e. getting a picky eater to eat better. I agree. Two hot dog dinners or easy dinners deemed unhealthy, but that every once in a while or maybe even more often does zero harm. Uh, awesome. I love this. Well, congrats, by the way. And I agree with this stuff. I actually really don't like yeah, when I say baby toys and mess everywhere. I'm like, oh, God. Uh, I, and I also think it's a funny thing too, where kind of like the love language thing, like I actually love interior decorating. It's very Zen for me. If I was having trouble getting excited about baby and motherhood, I would have a really nice time decorating a nursery. So I, this is, this is where I'm a little on the fence about like, and, and I think that like airing pet peeves, the point isn't to say this is definitively right or wrong. It's just like to showcase the spectrum of perspectives we have kind of like we did during COVID. Um, but it is it's interesting to think about as a person with a with a platform who wants to be mindful of these things. Oh, this person gave a really interesting list of good mom content on social media and books. She said, I work at a library. My husband is an internal medicine resident. So my main criteria for resources books is that they need to be practical and medically sound. Not too crunchy, if you will. Def not anti-vax. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, oh, I, OK, I need to I'll I'll talk to Courtney. We'll put this list somewhere if, at be there in five podcast. Uh, maybe I'll screenshot it and leave it in a highlight if that's helpful. I don't know. I don't know the best way to get these things out sometimes. Um, this person said, I'm so glad you're doing these episodes. I'm a mom now, but I felt very similarly to you before becoming a mom. I refused to tell anyone I was pregnant for quite some time because I was so concerned that all conversations would then revolve around my pregnancy and my solo identity would be subsumed into motherhood even before my baby arrived. The best place on the internet for a woman on the fence about kids is to visit the what to expect message boards. Without making a mockery of anyone, because I'm a thousand percent sure most of these posts are fueled by anxiety and or excitement. When you read the post there, you'll be like, oh, Christ, that person can be a mom. <laughs> Honestly, I agree. Um, 
You'll see a post that says, I'm 39 weeks pregnant and I feel like I have cramps. So I thought I peed, but it's not pee. What could be happening? Labor, honey. You're in labor. Call your doctor. <laughs> Do you think they're messing with you? That's insane. The worst thing on the internet for prospective moms is anywhere with pictures of baby shit. Oh, yeah. I have a two-year-old now and I don't want to see it. Um, strong graphic descriptions of it are the worst. I was having dinner at the communal table at Lincoln Park Whole Foods. That's my Whole Foods. And realized this absolute monster started changing her baby's poopy diaper on the table. Oh, I initially raised it because I smelled it. The bathroom's just 30 feet away. Max was signage right there. Oh, God. Is it insensitive of me to think that's, like, vile? I'm sure she's doing her best. <laughs> but still, that's hilarious about the mom boards. Um, honestly, when I, since uh, TikTok serves me, the algorithm serves me a lot of evangelical content. Uh, and... Um, like purity culture nonsense uh i'll get women and i talked about this on instagram on sunday that are like uh if my son were gay i would love him but i would not support his right to get married and i would not support his lifestyle and honestly it makes my makes me burn with the fire of a thousand suns that so you could bear a child and say such a thing it i think it is sick that something that has nothing to do with faith a literal civil right the right to get married that is not a basis of discrimination on your sexual orientation that is state not church you would reject for your own flesh and blood i truly truly do not understand what type of person can comfortably proudly say that and then they're putting god before their child when they're undermining their child's basic rights not only as a human but the the what should be your unconditional love and support as a parent and then i posted it being like i can't believe there are people like this exist i sometimes it's important for me to remember because i'm in this like urban secular bubble that like people like very confidently you know hawk these beliefs and it's like shocking to me because i think i associate with more like open-minded people and it's just like good to know that this is out there and to fight harder and to always be actively caring for the you know, marginalized people around you in any way. Because if, you know, you think a fight is over, it like hardly is because there's still people that are so, so backward. And um, of course, then I get DMs that are like, you need to respect her faith. You're really disrespectful to religion, like religious freedom. Like it's her like it's her right to like say what she wants and to believe what she believes. I'm like. It is absolutely her right to say what she wants and to believe what she believes. But those beliefs end at my rights. And my like religious freedom goes both ways. Religious freedom protects you from being discriminated against your beliefs. And it protects my civil rights as a citizen from your religion. Your religious beliefs cannot impede on my rights, nor should they. So when I have a comment about your religious beliefs having a problematic intersection with somebody's basic like civil rights, I'm not being bigoted. I'm actually arguing for the separation of church and state. because. You do not deserve like my unconditional understanding and acceptance when like, I don't know, you, you guys know I'm preaching to the choir. Like I just I do not need to accept and respect uh, your religious freedoms when they come at the expense of somebody else's basic rights. I'm so tired of that manipulation where people make you feel bad and make you feel like you can't have commentary when people share their beliefs that are indeed intended to harm and masquerade them as religious freedoms to get a free pass for what is actually the weaponization and misappropriation of your beliefs by trying to have them impede on public policy. Again, just as you are protected to do with what you, what you want with your own life, don't you get married to a same-sex partner? That's fine. It's just the manipulation knows no bounds. Um, and it's just like, 
it's so, so it's, it's such a problem. And I just can't say it enough. Like your, your religious beliefs are protected from discrimination by the state for what you do with your own life. The state protects me from being discriminated against by your religious beliefs for what I do with my own life. End of story. This person says, I have a hard time consuming content that glorifies the ideal of the stressed out mom who has no time for herself. I love content that makes it seem normal to need a glass of wine um, or mom juice, which is my least favorite term ever. Yeah, like I'm down for moms drinking wine. I just don't like mom juice. I see so many of my friends fall into this trap where the only content they post is mommy content, baby photos, wine at the end of the day. Shout outs to their husbands for allowing them to shower or do the bare minimum. I'm a mom, but I'm so much more. I'm a daughter, wife, friend, sister, doctor. Damn. But Dr. Fifth, I'm impressed. <laughs> my identity is not just being my son's mother. And I think IG sometimes make it seem like you're a mom and that's all you are. I also can't stand the exploitation of kids, specifically naked baby photos or tantrum videos on IG. I agree. I would have hated videos or photos like that of me as a child on social media, and I want to give my child the same respect. I see so many influencers who have IG handles for their kids or Facebook profiles that they manage. It's kind of uh, seems like a way to monetize your child, and I worry about the mental health ramifications of being on social media at a young age. I'm very undecided about that. And I don't know how I, what I will do or how I will feel about that, if I'm honest. It's hard to find an outlet because so often having the opinion is framed as mom shaming or participating in mommy wars, which is not my intention. I know I don't want to do mommy wars. I wish that as a society we could get to the point where we see motherhood as just another facet of a woman's life, but not her whole life. I agree. With both my boys, I followed whoever I could that was pregnant along with me and found it oddly inspiring to see their same age baby related posts. That's interesting. Yeah. Like I'm having a mess of a day and then see a mom post a sweet pic of their newborn. It serves as a reminder to savor this tough period. It's kind of baby romanticizing FOMO. It goes fast. It's like a push to enjoy it and document it and focus on the silver lining. Major bonus, seeing other moms' pretty new word picks really kicked me into gear to take my own. Even I was exhausted healing from labor, and I'm so happy. I fought my natural lazy tendency to put him in an obnoxiously adorable five-piece newborn outfit and busted out a real camera. Now I'm on the other side of it. No social posts bring me dread. I think once you have kids, maybe it all feels helpful, uplifting, and commiserative. Maybe I'm a freak. Uh, but I think since I've always worked from home with my now three-year-old sans help, I'm now working from home with a three-year-old and a newborn sans help. And I just literally have been through it all and nothing can scare me. I feel you. <laughs> this person said, where do I start? I just have to preface with a blanket scarf statement that I did grow up always thinking I'd be a mom. I still want to be a mom. Really, I want to be a grand one day and make all of my family come to me for holidays and celebrate them how I wanted instead of being subjected to other people's interpretation of the holiday. But that's a whole other topic. I like your style. Now that I'm knocking down the door with 32, knocking down the door of 32 with a mortgage of student loans, an actual mortgage and an adult life established with my husband and our two dogs, I'm not sure I can pull the trigger ever for so many reasons, not the least of which being I have a huge beef with modern parenting culture as portrayed by social media. Before we get to the mommy TikToks, how do people afford children? The only people I know from my friend groups to have kids are the ones who managed to graduate college and grad school debt-free or somehow make mid-six figures as early, early 30-somethings, plus a few parents I know are kicking them cash, probably out of desperation to become grandparents. Once you've moved past the ramen noodle-eating financial stage of life into having an entertainment and travel budget and a savings account, how do you just give that up? Are all these people actually racking up massive credit card debt? I need to know. Is there a spreadsheet someone can share? A nursery where I can buy the money tree my parents always talked about? As for the mom and parenting content, it terrifies me the most, and I think it's so to toxic, depending on how much their lives have changed since having kids, detailing their rigid, rigid daily schedule that, God forbid, they deviate from or suffer the consequences. They can't go out to eat anymore or take vacations because it doesn't fit into junior schedule. I have a couple friends who had kids and changed nothing. They still compete in triathlons. Damn. 
go to breweries and take off some vacations. And you know what? They still have the best, most well-adjusted kids. But I don't feel like our society supports that type of parenting. Like society wants and demands you adopt a parenting lifestyle of being a slave to your offspring schedule and wants instead of taking care of them along the ride with your own life. I don't like it. I don't know if I have the energy or stamina to be the change I want to see in the parenting parenting world. It's like by waiting to have kids out of financial necessity, thanks law school, I've exposed myself to an adult lifestyle without them. Wow, that's profound. Wow, interesting. Maybe this is the dilemma of waiting. Oh, okay. Like other people don't like live as dinks for long enough to realize it's like kind of great because <laughs> it takes a while to like make money and be more established. That's interesting. And I've developed an adult life without them. I have preferences. I like the expensive DOCG red wines. You got to get that DOCG. I, I respect that because they don't give me a headache. And I in places I want to visit, whereas some people had kids in their mid-20s never experienced adulthood without kids. I've tasted it. Um, and if you had kids in your 20s, you'll be young parents experiencing that adulthood much earlier than we all are while we're being taken care of in nursing homes. Um, so there's uh, there's uh, two sides of everything. Um, social media makes it seem like all that goes down the drain if you have kids. Or it takes an expensive army of help to maintain it. And that's an income bracket I'll never reach. And I'm with you with these uh, prank videos oh, on TikTok and Instagram. And the husband's asking their wives if they want to do their favorite things. It's demoralizing. You should have a mutually agreed upon monthly budget to spend how you want. And neither party should be making unilateral decisions to bust that budget on a splurge day. This isn't a treat. It's a cautionary tale. You make great arguments. You should be a lawyer. <laughs> Too triggering from law school. Um, the close runner-up is anything that sheds light on the wrecking ball kids are to your marriage. That's terrifying. I like my marriage. I love my husband. We have a great relationship that we work hard at. To finish my novel and get to the meat of how I feel, it's not that I think parenting isn't inherently difficult or that it won't require lifestyle changes. And I think it's important for moms and dads to have outlets for their frustrations in parenting because that shit can suck. And I know it's both incredibly difficult and incredibly rewarding. But like childbirth, there are some things that you just don't need to know until you go through it yourself. Then ask your girlfriends who blaze the path before you for advice. Or call your mom, your aunt, your cousin, your maternal next-door neighbor. There's a reason mom groups meet in person and you don't bring your childless best friend that's how long to mom's happy hour. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm like, why am I never? I just feel left out. Uh, the decision to have a child is never going to be a fully rational decision. It's a financial black hole, among other things, and it's becoming impossible for the highly rational women of our generation to make the decision to go forward with having kids when they have so many facts and examples before them reminding us of the hardships ahead. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Damn, that was great. That You wrote that on an iPhone? <laughs> I want to do a light word count. You guys are awesome. I enjoyed that. And thank you. Cause that's like similar to what I was saying, but kind of in a different, totally differently framed way. Uh, that's a little more skewed financially, which I didn't really cover. This says, I feel like our generation has the pressure to get our ducks in a row, lined up in a row before having kids. An example, one of my friends uprooted her life within a year to span to try to have a home job and child by a certain time month frame. All our closest friends knew when they were trying to actually conceive as well. Is this, is this, is this a thing? I feel very uncomfortable when people are like, we're trying. And I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> I picture it. I didn't need to. In comparison, sometimes I feel weird and unprepared that I don't have a hospital school district conception month picked out. But I think how our parents didn't necessarily have that ahead of time and our generation turned out just fine. I also remind myself that I'm 25 and we're not planning to have children for a few years. Oh, my God, you're spring chicken. Speaking of ducks and the like. Uh, but I definitely feel a sense of guilt because it, those things listed above I could give two craps about. Do I want children? Yes. Do I want to try uh, to base a plan for the next 25 years of my life based on my preconceived notions? No. Um, yeah, I agree with that. And it's uh, Kira who did the, like, she was on Patreon. She's a listener who I, we talked about her leaving the Mormon church. And she talked about um, how, like, in her experience in the church is they gamified life. And it's just almost so laid out for you in a formula. You can't see outside of it. And, like, I'm terrified of that formula and actively try to avoid it. And I think people that use that as the yardstick for their success and progress in life 
have a very hard time adjusting when things don't go their way because they won't because that's just not how life works, you know? Um, my husband and I are pretty much on the no kids train, but being 32, I'm still on the fence if it's something I really want, need, or should have. I think my biggest struggle is that I'm probably my parents' only hope for ever having a grandchild. This is an interesting angle, too. It would be awesome grandparents and live close enough where they could help. I constantly feel the pressure that with every woman that posts a pregnancy announcement from our small southern town. But I'm also like, I'm just not going to have a baby to make my parents happy when we're the ones who will have to raise it. Ugh. Thanks for being so brave to put this kind of content out into the world. While it may be against the grain, I think you've helped a lot of women who aren't as vocal about not having children. Because that's not something I'm going to openly post on social media or talk to my friends and family about. Um, God forbid I get pregnant and look like a horrible person for saying I didn't want one. But thanks for making a selfish, weird, self-centered, crazy, never knowing true love career monsters feel heard, represented, and a little bit more normal. I love that. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Hi, Kate. I'm a relatively new follower. Uh, I'm tearing up as I write this, but I really want you to know how important that episode was to me. I've been listening to podcasts for years on my way to work. and This is the first time I've been moved, understood, and seen by a podcast. So if nothing else, thank you for that. Thanks for saying that. As an almost 32-year-old married, childless millennial, this episode hit home. A few weeks back, I told my husband how nervous I was about having kids because of how it would upend my life. And since my closest friends all have kids and take such pride in how they martyr themselves for said kids, I'm in a constant state of worry that I'll become a shell of a human when I'm on the other side of things. Then I feel even lower that I would be so selfish to think that, which is, think that, which is why I've never said it out loud to friends for fear they would think I was a monster. So to hear you say those things felt like it took a thousand pounds off my shoulders. I wasn't alone. I'm not selfish. I do not. I do get influenced by moms who act like prisoners in their own homes. I know that I see my life with kids, but I haven't ogled over a baby since I was in high school. I was worried that I grew up apathetic and mom culture creeps me out. I was worried this meant I wasn't ready or cut out to be one since that life scared me away more than it drew me in. But when you talked about hating trying on wedding dresses or never feeling like a blushing bride, I felt so understood. That was me. That almost cartoonish mom vibe isn't my vibe, and that's okay. It wasn't my vibe during my engagement either. I created my wedding the way I wanted it, and it felt so 100% me and my husband. And I think now that's how I have to look at kids, too. These people on TikTok with their last hope hanging on to a single target run doesn't have to be our reality. We just have to make it our own. Um, that's so sweet. That was a really nice email. You live in Chicago? We should hang out. I'm racing through these because I want to read as many as possible, but I'm like deeply moved. <laughs> on the subject line, I was never thought I would cry to Jimmy World. Oh, my God. I love it. I did, too. Hi, Kate. This email is going to be long, rambling, and tangential. Pop me kettle. <laughs> I listened to Childless Millennial the day I received a baby shower invitation for a friend that I have a long and complicated friendship with. When I received the invite, my immediate feeling was that it felt like I was receiving a notice of termination of our friendship. I felt a wave of relief knowing that this friendship that has caused me a ton of stress and sadness would finally be over, and it wasn't anyone's fault. It would just end because she's going to be a mom and I am not. I looked up the registry to find a gift and something that struck me was the number of items labeled mommy so-and-so. And I realized that's part of the reason I'm struggling with wanting to have a child. I have so many friends that are pregnant or just became parents and I'm constantly seeing things that are labeled with the word mommy. Wine and coffee, mommy juice, a purse is now a mommy bag, an SUV is a mommy mobile. I feel bombarded with the idea that once I become a mom, everything I do and own has to be associated with the fact that I have a child. My husband and I both purchased new cars in the last two years and I went by myself to get my car and went with him to buy his car. When I was looking at cars, I was constantly reminded of features that are good for parents with children, or I was shown a bigger SUV than I wanted because it was good for kids. That's so interesting. <gasps> but when I went with my husband to buy his car, not once were kids mentioned when it came to the car he wanted and the features it had. And for the record, his car is not suitable at all for a baby. I hate feeling like that. I am unable to live my life without a hypothetical children factoring into everything I do. 
The other issue I have has to do with the fact that my whole life I've been told you're going to be a great mom. I am great with kids. I have a sibling significantly younger than me whose life I have always taken an active role in and I nannied when I was in college. Um, that I feel like I have no choice but to completely sacrifice who I am to be this great mom that everyone has always said I'm going to be. It's interesting. No one's ever really said that to me, but I can understand the other side too. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, it took me so long to find out who I am. Uh, that I feel like I cannot let go of her so I can become this entirely new thing that I'm not sure I'm going to like. I feel you. My third issue is the physical changes to my body. I recently read a listicle that talked about the unexpected physical changes women went through when they were pregnant. And one woman mentioned her teeth shifted. Oh, no. My parents invested so money into orthodontia and dental care when I was a teenager. I'd be inconsolable if my teeth shifted. I love the things we harp on, you guys. This is incredible. Um... I like the way I look, and I think social media always plays up the angle of the sacrifice to your body being worth it because you have this baby. I'm not going to look at my stretch marks as my tiger stripes. I'm going to be pissed that I have them. For me, that ties back to my feelings of being a great mom, that if I voice my displeasure about these things, I've already proven I'm not the great mom everyone always thought I would be. When I got married four years ago, I planned on getting pregnant immediately, but a few things happened that made us delay our timeline, and the longer we are married, the less I want kids. Uh, that kind of plays into what we were talking about earlier, you know, like getting a taste of adult life sans kids. I think the changes that have been made to social media in that time play a huge factor. Instagram released their stories in August 2016. I think that update in particular has played a huge role in my changed feelings on motherhood. Parents didn't really post about their baby blowouts on the grid. <laughs> Again, not driver, but it's something they can share in their stories. None of my friends or family have ever had a picture on their timeline calling wine mommy juice, but they have posted videos to their stories of them pouring wine at 5 p.m. and talking about how it's one of those days. I'm okay with that, but I understand. Uh... They post the SUV being purchased to their story and make a post about getting a new car for the baby. feels like no matter how hard I try, I can't escape it. I see so many women who cannot do anything without it being filtered through the, through the lens of being a mom. And if that works for them, that's great. But I just want to tell them you can enjoy these things because they serve you and only you a purpose. You don't have to justify it because you have a kid. You can want something because it is what you want. Thank you for making a podcast that make me feel, made me feel like uh, less of an outsider. Oh, and she's an HSP. I'm running out of time. I got it. My husband's like waiting for me. Oh, that's an Amazon return label. Um, <laughs> I have so many more things I want to read. Why is this taking me so long? Update. I am now in Michigan, USA, and I am in a lake house that is beautiful with my in-laws. And uh, there is an indoor hot tub next to my room. So safe to say I got the Ramona Singer treatment, got the best room in the house. <laughs> just kidding. No, it's so nice. Like I, I just, I, it, there's, it's nice to have a getaway, you know, that's only like an hour, hour and a half from Chicago and to come hang with everyone, talk, drink, play games, wine taste. I mean, what a dream, what a life. Hashtag Kate Juice. Um, I wanted to read a few more things. Do you guys mind? This says, hi, Kate, really loved last week's podcast. You handled the subject matter. Oh, that, that's very nice. I feel weird reading compliments. So I always skip over them, but I want you guys to know I see them, I hear them and I feel them. <laughs> but I'll get emotional. Uh, I have three kids, four-year-old twins and a 1.5-year-old. So the mom content doesn't phase me as much anymore. And I realize most of it's total BS anyway. But the content that frightened me the most pre-kids was saying goodbye to your bed being your own. This may make me sound horrible, but I've slept in the same bed as one of my children exactly two times ever. And it was because they had a terrible stomach bug. Keeping our room ours is important to me and my husband. And we've never bent on that. That's not to say we haven't sacrificed sleep some nights. And to keep it that way, it's tempting to let them in when it's 2 a.m. We also recognize that some kids are not as good as sleepers and some parents enjoy bed sharing. So zero judgment on anyone else. Right, that's the point. It's like, if that spooked you beforehand, if it's something that's like, means something to you 
Exactly. We, we all need to do what's best for us uh, and recognize that what's best for somebody else isn't best for us. And I can totally see how people like co-sleeping and stuff. You'd be like, oh, is that what I'm supposed to be doing? But if like, trust me, as a person that's all their, that has let their dog co-sleep, you know, wish I had thought through that one. Uh, it's too late to turn back. <laughs> uh, but pre, she said, pre-kids, I was flooded with content that showed the whole family piled in the bed with tags about sleepless nights or sleeping with a toddler's elbow and their rib cage all night. It freaked me out. Agreed. Um, the other thing that doesn't so much scare me as it does gross me out is the content that's like moms who nurse calling their son a boob man. Yes. Or I, I had a meltdown earlier about that or for that, a smiley baby uh, for that matter, a smiley baby, a ladies man or a big flirt. I don't know. I realize these are common onesies, but now I think it's weird AF when people make those comments about my sons when they'd smile or nurse. And it was truly gag worthy. If I was nursing and somebody's like, Oh, he likes them teas. I'd be like, uh, go <laughs> drop kick you. I'm so that's disgusting. Uh, don't get me started on the daddy's little princess content or what I call grab my shotgun dads. Oh yeah. These are the dads who vow to bury any boy who dares to date their daughter, who is usually at an infant at the time of their post, usually an infant at the time as both a mother to a girl and to boys. It infuriates me on so many levels and is rampant on Instagram. One, why would you choose this over promoting independence and bodily autonomy in your daughters? Two, why are you promoting violence against someone else's child? The list goes on and on. It's such a worn out, archaic, wildly, wildly problematic narrative that I can't believe I still see daily. I mean, you guys, it's so interesting. Like you all bring up something a little different. Like this is just inter really interesting diversity of um, perspective. And I'm just, I'm, I'm very grateful for it. This says, hi, Kate, something unsettling. Parents who face tune their kids. Several women I went to high school with often post these smooth face twinkle eyed pics of their toddlers. A lot of bloggers do this too. And I'm like, I know your kid isn't that glassy eyed. Like, come on. It's like, it's, it, that really grosses me out. Um, I get like running it through, you know, a casual Paris, Abu Dhabi, Buenos Aires, New York, you know, the, 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 uh, trip around the world we all take through our Instagram swipe filters, but the deliberate face tuning, uh, yeah, it's the sparkly eyes for me. It's like, let it, like a baby's cute enough. Like if it's good, um, a two-year-old with an edited flare in her eye and blurred skin. I mean, so smooth. You can hardly see the contour of their nose. It makes me so sad. Um, and oh, interesting. Usually they're face tuning a daughter, not a son. Wow. 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 Oh, and giant, giant bows on baby girls in the photo shoots that arrange babies in very unnatural sleeping positions. Like the, those, uh, and what, I don't, what's the lady's name who does the calendar? I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, the calendar pumped up on millennial Instagram steroids. Oh, like, is she the woman that puts babies in like flower pots? And like every pediatrician in America must have like a, a free use license for her materials. Otherwise I can't understand why they would opt for that. I don't want, I don't want stock photos of living like children that aren't mine. Like I, I yeah. Like can we get some, like, I don't know, the Jackson Pollock. Either. Yeah. It's like, I would, I would put elevated children's paintings around like, like adults that like paint like children, but it's still adult and still is art that has value, you know? <laughs> Um, I'm 30 and I do think I want to have kids one day and I'm a social media manager for a living. I love content. I love documenting shit. I have a good story, but I just don't see myself going there. I'll never have the tenacity to do monthly photo shoots chronicling my child's growth. On one hand, it makes me feel preemptively inadequate. On the other, it's just an upsetting example of internet vanities. Yeah. I think it's like, what, what, what's important to you, right? Like, uh, 
like I think the blankets are cute. You lay children on, like say how old they are. And like, it's a cool keepsake. And if you're a scrapbooker or a photo album person, like that's amazing. Uh, I like, I'm not, I never printed a photo since 2012. I don't think. And, uh, um, you know, good for you, not for me. But I guess the point is guys, it's like not to be critical, but to like, if it's in the name of your own memories and value, please, please, please do whatever brings you joy. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll document your children's life in a way that's most meaningful to your family. Um, but don't do it for likes and don't face tune your kids. I mean, let's come on guys. <laughs> Kim Zolciak Beerman much. Um, helpful content that, it, that does not induce dread when parents are transparent about the help and support they lean on to make it through the day. Uh, nannies are help from their own parents. Caitlin James does a brilliant job at this, by the way, side note for me. A good example is Eva Chen. She is always open about bringing her parents on vacation to watch the kids, et cetera, and the general chaos of being a working mom. It's refreshing and realistic. Love her. Love a work fluencer. You can afford or are privileged to have the help. Yes, why wouldn't you? I think so many influencers want to act like their lifestyle is effortlessly achieved when in reality it takes a village. So they say, I don't have kids, but I know if when I have a child, I'm going to lean hard on my own mom for help, and I'm thankful and privileged to already know she'll be knocking on my door to fulfill that role. So many influencers are out here acting like life's just breezy to have a beautiful life and family. And don't mention them behind the scenes supporting cast, not shaming people for having help. Mostly sad when two parents act like they can achieve this on their own. No one buys that. Right. I think it's important to remind people because if you can't see it, it's like, you know, Casper says, it's like, you got to see it to believe it. Oh, she thanked me for the beat intro. You are so welcome. God bless. <laughs> can't encourage. If you're going to try Veet, please like if people DM me like, their detailed hair removal issues. I just like, I wish I could consult you with that, but unfortunately I'm not a professional and this, I can't, this is why I could never be a blogger. I don't, I feel horrible when it doesn't work for people. It's just a great interim solution to waxing. But I, I just want to say here and now I do strongly recommend a patch test. Uh, anytime you're trying something new, that's topical. <laughs> OMG. I knew the day would come when I'd have to email because I felt so passionate about a topic. I'm so glad. Uh, that's not to say I haven't exclaimed, exclaimed, oh my gosh, yes, on most of your episodes, but this hit me deep, I swear. Part of the reason I'm 35, six years married and without child is because of the following behaviors either on social media or talked about on social media. I, 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 love, I live for a bulleted list. Um, monthly age progressions that state things like Emma enjoys pooping, grabbing her binky, smiling at her mommy and when daddy sings to her. <laughs> okay. I think the range of what Emma truly enjoys is quite small. Let's not put word in her mouth. <laughs> let's not put words in her mouth. Okay. Um, again, guys, let's just laugh. Like I know the, this doesn't mean everybody can't do this stuff, but it is a little funny to me what triggers people. Like I'm laughing at being so triggered, not at the fundamental concept, but like also that perspective, like I think the range of what Emma truly enjoys is truly quite small. Let's not put word in her words in her mouth. Okay. <laughs> Um, number two, when friends suddenly lose their identity and become mama and will only refer to themselves in the third person, like his mom, I started doing that with my dog. They didn't appreciate it. Oh, I, I call myself mom to tugboat and I call dad, dad for sure. Uh, I don't want tugboat to be like rough, rough, Greg, can I have a treat? It's like, no, it's like, Oh, it's like, he's like our baby. Um, Anytime they state, mind you, in a very snarky tone, how it must be nice to have time for simple pleasures like talking to friends or enjoying a glass of wine. Meanwhile, I see some friends crush it and maintain their identity and be kick-ass parents at the same time. So is it really not possible or is that just you not prioritizing life outside of being a mom? 
Lastly, posts dedicated to their children. Your kid is three months old. She won't be able to read your dedication. Instagram won't be around when she's old enough to comprehend. Also, the same cringe reaction goes for when people write a post to their dead grandparent. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, she said, anywho, without knowing me, I realize I sound like a selfish dick in all these comments, but these are things that make me think twice about the kid plunge. If you have to press how amazing it is and continually ask when we're going to have kids, it makes me question, is it that amazing? Or are you just desperate to have someone else in the sleepless club with you? This is what I said about hazing. Why I want to like, you know, seek new member recruitment's counsel. It just doesn't feel like the, the things you're telling me are so great about this organization are worth it. Um, so like, I, I don't have a problem with posts dedicated to children or grandparents or whatever, because like, even though it is to the kid, I think it's like the part of social media is sharing and it's not like literal. Right. And I like to hear people speak positively about their children. I don't really care that Emma likes when daddy sings to her, but I love to hear people's personal progressions as like a parent or people, uh, digitally eulogizing somebody that means someone to mean something to them. You know, I think that sometimes it's in vain. Sure. But I think sometimes it's in an effort to share, uh, a little more about themselves and like, you know, maybe your average person, it's like, feels like a little much, but I guess in the context of like social media influencers and stuff, um, I, I, it's, it can, I don't know. It, it depends, right? Like it can be done well, it can be done tactfully. It can be done like not attention seeking, but it also can be like, okay, Ari and Lauren Lyon Dyke, did you need to start your baby's Instagram? Like three months in utero, but also I'm so jealous because that baby had like 250 K followers, uh, before it ever like crowned. I mean, like God bless, like I'm happy for you, but I'm also mad. You know, that's how like it all usually goes with me. Um, <laughs> let's see. Mom boss content gives me the deepest eye roll and like full body shutters. I struggle so hard with what the optics of being a mother would do for someone in my position. It's almost kind of the reverse in my world, meaning that there's pressure not to have children. I feel like the fact that I do want children, not for a long time, because, uh, I'm terrified right now. Um, I'd seen as a cliche for women in my industry, software coding. If you fall into line with that cliche, it's game over for your career, which would be game over for me because I care so deeply about the work I do. That's an interest. That's interesting. Uh, you're if like an example of somebody in such a male dominated career. All this mom boss content stresses me out because they're largely doing things from home and the people in my career and field similar and similar leadership roles don't have time to be on social media, normalizing my situation. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Okay. So I wrote this one down because I thought that sentence was so important. The people in my career field and similar leadership roles don't have time to be on social media, normalizing my situation. Um, I think that that's such an important thing to remember. And that's why, uh, I, I, I keep talking about like, remember what we see online, even though it's because it's what we see, it's perceived as the norm that is not the norm because the norm for social media is entertainment and entertainment and intent. Anything that rises to the top of entertainment clutter is inherently, uh, probably pandering to an extreme because that is what's entertaining. I thought that was really interesting input. Um, I just finished your episode and thank you so much. Just thank you. I never, ever heard my exact fears and thoughts so perfectly. Even though I'm single as a Pringle at 28, I don't feel an urge to have kids and I'm not worried about it. I don't live my life by the ocean notion of, oh, my eggs are getting old like some of my other friends. My mother and father were married for seven whole years before makeup baby Amanda, me, it came along. <laughs> my mother told me she was always okay with just being an aunt. And she saw when she found out she was pregnant, even though she was in a happy marriage with financial stability and a world of support, knowing how wonderful of a relationship I have with my mom and how great of a mom she is. I've always found comfort in the fact that even my own mother wasn't sure she wanted children yet. Here I am. And she provided a wonderful life. 
Um, I've been with my BF for 13 years and people are horrified to say, when I say we have never been focused on getting married, I'm the opposite of bridal and are struggling to decide if we'll have kids. They must not see their judgment only intensifies the anxiety around it all. However, I definitely thought you were talking about hair blowouts for babies. So like maybe I finally decided I should not have kids. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I have so like, there's so many of these that are so nice that are just like, I feel seen. I feel heard. I've never been able to say this before. I cried. I never mean to make you cry, but you guys are so sweet. I cried listening to the episode today. I work for a childcare tech company and I'm constantly talking about childcare and it scares me every day and it makes me want to run for the hills when people ask us about babies. Yet all my friends are maternal goddesses. I needed that. I double cried when you talked about your wedding and sent that clip to my mom and sister. Oh, oh, your wedding got postponed. Your mom and sister, my mom and sister both called me and said that your words put it into perspective for them and they'd stop pressuring me about the bridal shower. Oh, that means a lot to me. I know some of you guys told me like you were able to have conversations with like your spouses and parents and like, guys, I just like, I'm deeply moved. And I hope, you know, I mean that, like, I just never really assume anything I say, like makes some material difference. And like, I can't tell you how much this propels me as well. Um, Oh, there's so many. I don't know what to pick. Okay. I'm going to pick a few more. Um, I'm just trying to. Like, I feel like people have brought up different good points. I just, I'm like, am I representing people enough? But I guess it's hard to know exactly. Um, I listened to the childless episode and loved it, even as a mom of a one-year-old. That once a second child, I could relate. The sleep while you can, you'll be exhausted. Wait till he's walking. You won't ever get to pee alone again. <laughs> Scare nonsense has to stop. Motherhood, like most things in life, is different for everyone and largely what you and your partner make it. My husband and I agreed on a rule before kids and still live by it. Kids fit into your life. You don't fit into theirs. So we took our baby at three months out to dinner, to a bar, pre-COVID, and now we take him hiking to the beach. He naps on the go in the stroller or car, whatever. We just keep living our lives with a tiny dependent sidekick. See, that those make me feel better. I'm like, oh, cool. So I, I can still leave my house. Um, I'm nervous to go to Trader Joe's. There's just a long line right now and the Buffalo chicken dip's been out for a while and I'm not saying it's my fault, but I'm saying it's my fault. And <laughs> influence is a blessing and a curse. Uh, somebody did DM me saying like, hi, I work at your Trader Joe's and it has been out like since you talked about it. And I don't know if she meant because of me or just like in general, but like if you're out there, will you reach out again and maybe we could set up like a small cohort and you can like notify me when it's back in stock. I don't know if that's illegal. Um, I'm a mom of one and my partner and I are starting to consider number two. Frankly, I'm freaked out. Though I was excited and ready for number one, the exhausted mom content of the chaos of multiple kids is really getting to me. So for the child, so ever for the non-childless millennial, this hits me. The only thing I can tell you and myself is that in any, that is in any way helpful is to piggyback off of your ducks in a row line of thinking. Like you, I worked my ass off to get my ducks in a row in my twenties, had number one and the ducks got crazy for a while. Now we've got them in a row again and I'm in a really good place and I worked hard to get there. Scary to think number two will mess them all up again, but with time we put them back and find rhythm again. I'm convinced this will be the rest of our lives as women, kids or no kids, but man, being a mom for me is so, so good. That gave me goosebumps. Have to swipe through some, cult related DM. <laughs> uh, whoops. Wait, am I in the right place? No, I was not. Wrong album. Hold on. What a beautiful episode this week. I'm 33, been married to my husband for 11 years and we have four kids ages nine to four. 
I knew I wanted a big family and I wanted to have them while I was young. What I didn't realize when we started our family was that I wanted more for myself too. I went from high school, a high school teacher to a stay-at-home mom and then accidentally started a business the same year I had our youngest. And it's still going and evolving and it's giving me even bigger opportunities. It has been a crazy entrepreneurial journey that I didn't expect, but I'm thankful for. I love the story you share where the person said motherhood can't be defined by the bad days, just like it can't be defined by the good. I've learned so much about myself and my capabilities, and I hope that seeing me reach for my dreams, my kids, particularly my daughter, see that they are inspired when they're older. That's really sweet. Um, I love that. When you decide to have a baby, there will be struggles, but there will be great joys too, over things you did not even realize could make you smile like an idiot. My advice, there's too much advice out there and everyone has a different take. Social media and Pinterest is a rabbit hole of this versus that and new moms and it can be too much information. Trust yourself and your partner to make the best decisions for you and keep open lines of communication and have a support system you can call with any questions. That's sweet. (laughs) What is this one? Oh, this person just wanted to manage my expectations. I think about childcare. I screenshotted it, but I think I'm missing part of it. Uh, You have to think, uh, how willing are people really to watch other people's kids? If a friend, family member asks you to watch their kids for a day, a few hours here and there, would you really be happy about it? Honestly, probably not. Um, Unless moms can afford babysitters, that part is hard. Uh, before I just explain what I meant above before I had kids, I would not have been excited. If somebody asked me to babysit after having kids, I would also not be excited to babysit kids in addition to my own. My point being, even though I agree with the ask for help, you need your alone time points. I really do. And it's hard to find people who want to be asked to help. Haha. Honestly, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. That sounds like I don't like my kids, but I truly do. There's nothing in the world I actually like more than being with them. Do I like watching other people's kids? Not really. Do I like mine more than anything? I totally get what you're saying. Person says, just finished your childless millennial podcast. Thank you for articulating so much of what I've been feeling. As a 36 year old female who's always known I wanted a child and later in life, 35 or so, the past two years have been a struggle for me, both internal and external pressures. I've never quite known how to put in towards every single thing that concerns me, but you seem to have summarized it the most. While I still don't know what or when is the right time for me, it's just such a huge relief to hear about a similar point of view when most of my friends with kids have been asking me to hurry up for years. Best thing I've listened to during quarantine. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I don't want to scare you, but I recently came across a new issue as an HSP parent. Other kids. My daughter just started preschool and loves kids and is so sweet and friendly and cute. I am (laughs) HO. We have a park play date and meet the parents last weekend. And she got left behind when the other kids found friends and siblings they knew at the park to play with. She ran up to me with tears in her eyes and said, mama, the kids don't like me. No, I'm crying. No, 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 no. I sobbed for hours that night. My heart can't handle this. Anyway, I got some advice to seek counseling on this. Don't make it about me. Kids are resilient, et cetera. It's another thing to consider. I do appreciate this. And I actually cut a segment out of the episode because it was getting too long and I felt too rambly and it's like, get to other people's words, not yours, Kate. Um, I've been, I did a lot of research about HSP parents this week and it actually opened my eyes a lot to like a lot of my fears actually maybe have more to do with being highly sensitive than they do being, um, like, you know, having men, like mental health issues or, you know, being non-maternal, uh, 
it was educational to hear about like how much alone time I need, how I, the kids issues are like harder on me. And I don't know if you're a highly sensitive purchase person, HSP, it's worth doing research about how they parent. Uh, if you feel like things aren't as easy for you as other parents and, or if you feel like, um, you need more downtime than your average person, you're feeling guilty about it. It's probably the way you're wired. Uh, I'm a mom of a one-year-old that wants a second child. I could relate the sleep all you can. You'll be exhausted. Wait till he's walking. You won't ever get to. Oh no, I already read that. Sorry. After listening to the childless millennial episode and reading Grace Atwood's recent post, I wanted to reach out on a topic that I haven't seen specifically addressed that I think your perspective on would be really interesting. It was one of the last of my friend group. I was one of the last of my friend group to get married and all six have had a baby in the last year. I know I don't want kids right now, soon, maybe ever, but I feel so left out and on the outside. All of our conversations turn to kids and it's so isolating or I just frankly don't care. And I know the kids take over your life and that is natural and I'm not mad at anyone here, but I feel like I've lost all my best friends to a terminal case of mom life and there's no end in sight until maybe I have a kid my, of my own. I appreciate you bringing up the topic of being childless in a child-obsessed world. I just think there's joy and fulfillment outside of children that doesn't get the respect it deserves and I hate the assumption that women have to get married or have kids to be relevant and worthwhile. At the same time, there's nothing wrong with wanting children. It really is a tangled web of emotions, but I so appreciate you bringing up this topic and hopefully normalizing these feelings that we as childless 30-somethings have and no clue how to navigate. Absolutely. And yeah, you guys, if you um, want some really interesting perspective on this from a married and non-married person, my uh, very good friends and bloggers, both Jen Lake and Grace Atwood, released posts that they were a little like feeling shy about like pulling the trigger on, I think, over the past couple of years, just not knowing how, what the response would be like. And it was really cool that they um, like released them this week and tagged me in it. And it meant a lot to me just to even, I don't know, be part of that process. Cause I'm sure that's really freeing for them. And I'm sure the high, high volume of support was so much more than the negativity. And I think it's important just to own our truth and be upfront about these things. And like, that's great. It's again, it's your life, your decision. Um, and those are two women I respect tremendously that, I don't know, it just meant a lot to me that I said anything that resonated with them. And um, yeah, so just to echo what that person said to read both of those posts, the stylecharade.com and the stripe.com. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, I think that like, you know, it's understandable that the majority of the people in a group who have the thing in common, that's going to be the focus of the conversation. Um, you know, not everything can pander to our exact life phase, but in a high volume and consistency, always being in those conversations is really uh, suffocating at times, especially if you're like on the fence yourself and draining. If you, you know, you, you just, it almost seems like your, your life is not important. Like, Oh, you're tired. You're busy. You think you like, I don't even have, I have no, like I've heard so many people say like, I don't even have memories from before I had kids. I don't remember life. And I'm like, that is deeply sad and depressing. I like my life and I'd love to remember it. And like, if it's going to just go away, like I'd like to keep it, you know, people just say crazy stuff that makes no sense. And I am so sorry you feel left out. And I totally understand. And I've been there and I, it's good probably for uh, new parents to hear that. And like, maybe, you know, it's not that you have to stop talking about it with your mom friends or not invite anybody, but just be mindful of it and ask people how they're doing and don't minimize their stressors. Uh, but beyond that, like maybe sometimes if you want to get out of mom zone, ask your non-mom friends for some one-on-one -on -one time. They probably miss you. Like I said last week, I wasn't proud to admit this, but when somebody gets pregnant, I feel a little sad. Well, first I'm like, 
Cause you know, the purity culture person in me is always assuming you didn't mean to. Um, but then I'm like, oh, another one bites the dust. Cause then I can't go drink wine with you. But then, then after I move through my two really shallow, horrible emotions, I am deeply, deeply excited for you because I know you'll be a wonderful mom and anybody who would be in the presence of you for life is deeply, deeply lucky. And that's how I feel about any of my close friends. Um, but we can't help, but, you know, have our petty worries, especially when they're a little bit close to home and we can't beat ourselves up for it. Um, anyway, you guys, I should probably wrap up. This is like, I just love reading these. Like I just, I'm so moved. I'm so appreciative. You guys are so important to me. And like I said earlier, just even hearing somebody say like, I like that you're doing before and afters. Cause like, I don't know when the after will be, and I don't even know if you'll be here anymore. And I like hope you are, but it was like, gave me butterflies to think about being able to do this longer. And if you'll stick around and I would so appreciate it. And, um, even if I don't get back to every email or DM or whatever, like I just, it's never, ever lost on me. And like, I'm trying to just be better about getting through everything. Cause I just never want people to think it's a waste of time because reaching it's like this feedback is what propels it forward. I wasn't going to do a part two until I heard some from so many of you and until I heard so many of you so deeply resent mo- uh, mommy, uh, mommy juice, wine culture. Um, but anyway, uh, I just hope everybody is doing what's best for them. Remembering, you know, if you can 49% drown in the uncertainty, but 51% feel energized by the things we don't know that are to come in life. I think that's the only thing you can do is, is have majority stake in excitement and energy, but it might just be 1% over the average, you know, like you don't need to be a hundred percent. You don't need to be 0%. Life is gray. Most of us are going to fall in the middle. Social media doesn't represent the middle. And that's what I talked about last week um, with feeling like it's really important to represent like real people, real perspectives. I'm not trying to be a star and I'm not a celebrity. I'm a normal person. I like will always be a normal person. Um, uh, And I mean, hopefully with a butler's pantry, like here's to hoping, but you know, uh, I can still be down to earth. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, But I, I think... I, I'm excited to open up the dialogue in, in a community of women who are in the thick of it, who are going through it, and who don't want the highly subjective advice of people out of touch enough to think that you want it, right? I think that it's important women support each other and we get in these conversations, but I think the people that give you that passing type of advice, it's not, we don't need to take the input of people that don't respect us or we don't respect, right? And um, just a reminder, we're all doing the best we can with what we've got and you'll make the best decision for yourself. And regardless of what happens, there's so much joy to be had in life from so many different sources. Kids are not, motherhood are not, spouse are not, you are not your relationship status, you are not your children or your desire to have children or your ability to have children. You are not the opinion of people who don't know you or respect you to quote Taylor Swift before singing clean of the 1989 world tour. Uh, you are so, so much more and your life is exactly what you make it and anything I can do to help you or topics I can cover to help anybody feel less alone about anything. I'm always open to hear what you want, want to learn more about. Um, I learn a lot from you as well. And, um, I just hope this all was a really good use of your time. I'm officially really proud of myself for stepping off the mic when I was crying this time. I feel like it's a little easier to listen to somebody who's not like so emotional, (laughs) but I'll work on it. Um, Also, sorry, the audio is probably weird for the past 20 minutes or so because I, it's a long story, but I needed to finish when I got to my destination and uh, yeah, you guys are awesome. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but on November 12th, it's a Thursday and I know it's after the election, but like I'm looking forward to ha- something post-election just because I th- 
I'm a little concerned it's going to like take, it's going to take longer than we think it is slash my friends that work in media have told me they think it will and they're planning for it. And I'm just like dread. I mean, the whole thing's a nightmare. But anyway, uh, yeah, Thursday, November 12th, stay tuned. I'm going to announce like topic and stuff. And I don't even know if I'm supposed to say that, but I'm like worried because like, you're not supposed to announce a virtual live show too far in advance. Cause then people are like, Oh, I'll get tickets later. But like these, the, the sites actually have like bandwidth issues at times, I think. So it's not as unlimited as it looks. And I want people to save the, the, the evening. Also the material is totally different from the podcast. Um, there's visuals. It's a whole thing. And a lot of you guys, the people that I won't get to ever see, like if you live in a market, not near one I'd go to or out of the country, I mean, I'd love to go out like, you know, all over, but who the hell knows what's going to happen in life. Uh, it might be a good opportunity at an affordable price point. So just something to keep in mind. Uh, there's a PowerPoint party this upcoming Tuesday, like two, three, four, four or five days from now. I think it's another career night. Uh, so patreon.com slash be there in five. That's where you can get access to the past PowerPoint parties, upcoming ones. Uh, I also did a you know, 50 five zero minute review of the AG American girl catalog from 91 this week. I'll work on my marriage and Greg podcast, uh, one, you know, as soon as I can, uh, I, I promise it's like, it always takes me a while to get to something, but like, I'm just, I don't know. I wish I was breezier about recording, but I listen back to so many things and I'm like, nope. <laughs> if something should happen to me, yeah. So I need to give access to, uh, to my lost recordings. I was, I've more lost than, uh, found, but anyway, um, also, you guys sharing the last, last week's like was so important and like so helpful and thank you for sharing it and spreading the message, not even for me, but to help less people feel alone. If you liked this, share it. I would love that so much. It makes such a difference. Abby there in five, Abby there in five podcast. And, uh, above all else, five stars, uh, makes a huge difference on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen, uh, rate and review five stars. I would love that so, so much. Uh, but above all of my, the things I need, it's not that important. Thank you for your openness, your kindness, your submissions, uh, for sticking with me, despite my topic pivots, the podcast length, all the things like, I just don't even know what I did to deserve people that, um, encourage me to further lean into who I am and a world that, you know, works pretty hard to make you feel like you aren't, uh, fitting the mold, aren't doing the, the right thing. Aren't, you know, if you think something differently or outside the box, uh, you're made to feel inferior or wrong. And I slide back into that sometimes when I'm, uh, not doing what other people are saying, what other people are. And I'm so fearful of the response. But like I said, the last episode now, when something makes me so, so nervous, um, I know that's when I should do it because I know that there's other people out there who are consumed by the thing that, uh, I'm worried about getting bad feedback on, which is fine for me in this, in this, you know, arena where, you know, as negative as it can be, it's not people I know personally, what's more important are you guys out there having to feel this with people, you know, personally in your lives that aren't leaving your lives that have immense impact on your lives. And I want you to feel comfortable and have a way to, um, uh, be able to have a voice and feel comfortable and to be confident in your decision-making in your own reference groups. And I always hope the things I talk about here trickle down to that. It would mean a lot to me. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going to find some version of uh, my way. No, not Burger King, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> 
Cause I think that's like truly the biggest lesson I've learned. There's so much we can't control. We have to relinquish control of the uncertainty, just like a lot of us have had to do this year. Uh, but more important than try to uh, manufacture some sense of regaining that control. We have to trust that uh, the more confident we are in ourselves, our decisions, our beliefs, our values, what we want in our lives, despite what other people think, the more we're going to be able to confidently move forward doing things our way. And our way is the best way because it's not what anybody else is doing. It's not what works for anybody else. It's what works for us. When you make decisions for yourself, you cannot lose. You will not resent or regret anything anytime because you were doing the best you could at that time for what you knew and what you had. And I just want us all to be so confident in our decision-making because we have every, every right to be. Um, I just, I don't know. I hear the uncertainty and confusion and frustration and so many people's voices and like, I don't know, you guys, life is complicated and it's messy. And uh, the, the more we embrace and accept the complexities and reject any notion that we're broken, I think the better off we are because Nobody has any answers. Nobody is doing perfectly well. Everybody is typically criticizing you from a place of their own issues or inner child. And as long as we can keep our head above water, maintain perspective about how great we are, realize that anybody who has you as a, as a mama, a sister, a daughter, a rich aunt, a spouse, whatever it is, is so damn lucky, myself included, to have you here. I consider myself among the luckiest. So hang in there. You know, I hate to end the podcast this way after my like, you know, just, you know, high horse about mom drinking life. But like, I don't know. I mama needs a drink. Do, 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 do. Okay. <laughs> As always, let me know your thoughts and I'll let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear. 